2: It's Rick Tittle!
3: Hola! Le Cinco de Mayo!
4: Ahora!
3: Rick, that's cultural appropriation. That's actually offensive and racist. I remember I used to do A's pre and post, and I'd go, Partolo and The guy's like, when you say it like that, it's racist. I'm like, it's racist? I apologize. Uh, any excuse to drink? Today, I'm Mexican American. On St. Patrick's Day, I'm Irish American. On Arbor Day, I'm a tree hugger. Whatever it takes to drink, dos pacíficos, por favor. Welcome to the single de Mayo episode of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. I'm Rick Tittle. Now, it is a Friday, hour one. We get into the entertainment realm with our friend Jan Wall, and she'll be with us, and we have some fascinating guests. In the second hour, I'll be joined in studio by a, a girl from Contra Costa County, and I'm a boy from Contra Costa County. We both went to... Catholic school, she went to Carondelet, all girls in Concord. I went to Salesian, all boys in Richmond. Her boyfriend was a guy a couple years older than me at Salesian. And she went on to become a stand-up comedian and head writer for Conan O'Brien, and she's here at the Punchline. She's been here before. The lovely and talented, hysterical Lori Kilmartin. We'll get a final look at the Dobby and other races this weekend. Carmine Marino will be back again. And then Sonny, is it Hostin or Hostin? Do we know, Dom, one way or the other? Okay. Hostin seems too on the nose since she is a host. Uh, she's on The View. But she has a new book called Summer on Sag Harbor. You can tell I don't watch The View or I would know if it was Sonny Hostin or Host. I'm going to guess Hostin. And then we'll have actors Nick Stahl and Mark Dacascos once again for their new film, Knights of the Zodiac, you might remember we had Madison is a man. Sorry, Eisman. Last week, we got a full show. We got three hours. Come on back.
5: I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski. The Dingarona, The ring-a-ding-ding.
6: Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding! Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details.
7: If you're moving to another state, you're getting a fresh start in a brand new town. And when you choose a moving company to help get your valuable possessions to that new home of yours, you want somebody that's going to take care of your things like you would. That's why you need to call Colonial Van Lines. Colonial Van Lines. They're America's number one moving company for a reason. Because they'll take care of your things like they would their possessions. They'll use caution so nothing gets damaged. And they won't treat you like a number. They'll treat you like a friend. And when you call now on a qualified move across state lines, they'll give you a $250 discount.
1: 800-754-4531.
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on American Forces Radio, and on Friday, the first hour, we're always uh, quite privileged to be joined by film critic and our friend Jan Wall. Jan, happy Cinco de Mayo to you. How are you doing?
9: Cinco de Mayo to everybody.
3: Very cool. All right, uh, speaking of the Latin arts, let's bring in Carola Zertouche. And uh, she is here. First of all, uh, she is with Theodore Flamenco of San Francisco. Corolla, is it Zertuche like German, or do you say Zertuch or something else? Zertuche. Zertuche. And I bet you there's not too many other Hello
10: everyone.
3: Not too many Corolla Zertuches in the world. You are the only one, aren't you? Uh,
10: I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay,
3: so tell us a little bit about what's going on. You're going to have an event at uh, Herbst Theater, is that right?
10: At the Herbst Theater, yes. We are Teatro Flamenco San Francisco. It's our 57th home season. The company is the oldest company after the, the ballet of San Francisco. And this will be our first show, the big, big production after the, the COVID. And we are so. Happy, no, and excited to do this production, and it's on Saturday, May 13, 8 p.m. at is The only, the only show. And this show, I get inspired from a uh, trip I did to Jordan, to the Middle East, Wadi Rum. It's a desert, and it was in, uh, one of the most incredible experiences that I have in the when I was there in the desert, and I got inspired to do this the show. And we are having guest artists from Spain. We have uh, Juani de la Isla from Cadiz. He's a guitar player. And then we have Diego Amador, uh, a singer from Sevilla. That He he comes from a very artistic family, oh, the Amador family from Spain, from Sevilla. And then we have Adrián Santana, a uh, flamenco dancer from Málaga. And two local dancers, Marina and Isabella. And then I'm gonna have uh electronic music by my nephew Pascual Martinez
9: and I'm so excited <laughs> <Yay. because laughs> keep <it> in the <laughs> family, the right? <laughs> it's what? It's good when you keep it in the family. That's great. Yes.
10: And actually it's yes. my first time I'm I'm doing uh with my family, no? My first time we do a collaboration, no, with them, um, I'm so happy that Hopefully, he's going to continue with the music, no? And the artistic. And then I have electronic music also, Roberto Aguilar, in electric guitar. And this year, I will have a trumpet player, too.
9: Wow. Wow. Yes, yeah. so it's going to be very... Uh, this is, I'm sorry. This is Jan Walls. Do each of you have a different style of flamenco yes. dancing? Yeah. Si, si, si. And
10: this—that's the uh, the performance, no? Because what I say in when I was to the desert, it was like if I enter to a another world, no? Like like if the time stopped in that moment. So it's, it's going to be like a dream when you go to see the the show. You will enter to a to my dream, no? Probably can be.
3: The name of the show is <laughs> *Transitar por un mundo por- sin tiempo*. Sí. It means a passage through a timeless world, and flamenco, of course, goes all the way back to Andalusia in southern Spain. Talk about how the the uh, the passage through a timeless world is expressed through this dance. I'm sorry. <laughs>
9: <laughs>
4: Sorry, the <I> title, <laughs> the
3: title of the show, yes. "A Passage Through a Timeless World," "Tranzitaro por el Mundo sin Tiempo." How is that expressed ah. through flamenco? The message in the title.
10: Yes, because the, what I was saying, you know, when I went to the desert, is for me that what happened: the time stopped. Entonces, it's like how uh, the flamenco, the music itself, is really, really, uh, very strong. So it's that happened no? uh, when I was in the desert, I have this energy that it was, I don't even know how to explain it. was well, like so incredible, no? When I see the, in, at night, no? It was the stars, you can, it was all dark and you see the beauty of the stars. And then on the daytime, it was this, no? Super hot, but incredible. So for me, flamenco, when I dance, that's what I feel also the same. It's like my world stop and I, just hear the music and i don't know it's, it's it's so beautiful no the 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 sensation
9: and i i are you aware, like, what? Are you aware of the, jose i'm sure you are jose greco and how he took flamenco and made yes. it very popular in america yes
10: i i i never i never met him but actually when i start flamenco i listened to one of his records and mm-hmm. I, when I get in love with flamenco, because I was like, oh, my God, what is this music, how, and then I saw it, no, on TV, and I was like, oh, my God, this is what I want to be, a flamenco dancer, through true, true mm-hmm. Jose Greco, I remember that. <laughs> and the director of, the no, the former director of Miguel Santos, that he used to be the director of Teatro Flamenco, he performed with Jose Greco. He's going to be 98 years old this year, and he's still, like, active, no? (laughs) It's incredible.
3: When you're dancing, (laughs) is it ever an out-of-body experience to you? Like, do you experience the raptures of the joys of life?
9: Wow,
10: (laughs) work. Yeah, actually, yes, when you
3: dance,
4: (laughs)
10: it's like you express all your emotions. It's it's like a, a... your story of exactly oh anything happened to you, to you 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 do it through your with your body no like oh. the painters, no they do mm-hmm. when they paint no for us the dancer or bodies or instrument no um,
9: do you ever hurt your your feet? I mean you guys are so exciting and colorful to watch and it's so emotional mm-hmm. and I love the costumes. Oh I love the costumes
4: yeah
9: but I would think I don't know, I think you would hurt your feet, no actually, <laughs> no
10: then it's like you get used to you know with with the gears. is the feet is the same, you no, know, an instrument and it's super fun, like I love mm-hmm. the when we do the the footwork and Sometimes, of course, when you do it for so many, like now, no, when we are rehearsing for so many hours, of course, you when you finish, it, like ah, oh, you hurt your feet, but then, it's okay.
3: So, last <laughs> yes. question for you: Do you like the the fusion of flamenco as it kind of will adapt into different styles, or do you like to yes. keep it in its purest form? Verdad también.
10: Actually, both, eh, because. Myself I love to do like uh, do fusion, like in these shows as you see we are gonna doing we are adding other instruments, no? But I always respect what is the tradition of flamenco and even myself I love the the traditional, the music and the dance traditional, no. And even in in this show you will see some mix or some more uh, Contemporary, but then you will see other numbers that they will be super traditional. So then, in the end, you will have both, no, a little bit of experimental but traditional.
3: Well, as we said, May thirteenth, Saturday, the Herbs Theater. This is Carola Zortuche from Theater Flamenco of San Francisco. You can find out more at theaterflamenco.org, and that's theater R-E, the French way. Hey, Corolla, thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, no, thank you so much. Thank,
9: thank you, Corolla. All
3: thank right. You. All right, good stuff, uh, Janie. Uh, good, uh, good way to Ricky, kick... Ricky,
9: perp- what a perfect place to see it, Herb's Theater. Yeah. It's the perfect environment for this kind of a
3: show. Good stuff. All right, we will keep it going. Rick Tittle and Jan Wall right here on Sports Byline.
1: That's 800-943-2153.
11: Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life?
5: It doesn't really matter, I, uh, I don't like my job and
13: uh, I don't think I'm going to go anymore.
14: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: Hey, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you alongside Jan Wall, coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show Gail Leander wright And uh, she has a five-session class beginning Tuesday nights, June 20th, going until uh, July 25th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. It's called... What makes Sondheim great? Gail, welcome to the show. And I think what a lot of people don't realize about Sondheim, I certainly did until I took a closer look, is that he grew up in Bucks County and was uh, friends with Oscar Hammerstein's son, and then Oscar kind of took him under his wing. It's pretty incredible.
15: That's right, Rick. That's, uh, you did your research. Yeah. He, uh, he was a child of divorce. His mother, he said, was a little bit of a star hunter and sort of integrated him into the Oscar Hammerstein uh, family, which was a great thing for him emotionally as a kid who is sort of at loose ends. But more importantly, he uh, he learned the craft from Oscar Hammerstein. He used to say, um, if Oscar Hammerstein had been a plumber, I would have been a plumber. He so <laughs> admired the man.
9: <laughs> I'm really glad. This is Jab Walgale. I'm really glad he turned out to be Stephen Sondheim. Yes,
15: indeed. Well, how indeed. early
9: did this did Stephen's genius show itself?
15: Well, Hammerstein said that the 11-year-old showed tremendous promise, and that, in fact, uh, when he was about 13 or 14, he gave to Oscar Hammerstein a libretto he'd written and said, you know, I think I'm going to be the first teenager with a show on Broadway. And Hammerstein (laughs) uh, looked at it and said, uh, well, uh, do you want me to critique this as if you were professional? And he said, by all means. I said, well, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. But... That doesn't mean it wasn't talented, and if you want to learn the craft, I will give you lessons, and that's how that all began. So he was a talented oh.
9: young guy.
3: You know, we all know. Get... Yeah, go ahead, Jenny. I'm
9: sorry. Okay. Well, to get lessons from the guy who wrote South Pacific and, you know, uh, Sound of guy Music, guy and Carousel. Sound of Music, yeah, that's pretty good. And yeah. put him in this great, great place, but what was his first big hit, S- Sondheim?
15: Well, it's hard to say, because he was a a, a budding composer. He wanted to write words and music. And yet, he was offered a job writing lyrics on a little show you may have heard of called uh, West Side Story. West Side Story, yeah. Huge hit. And then went on to write (laughs) lyrics for Gypsy. Didn't have an opportunity to write his own music and his own lyrics until uh, uh, he wrote uh, Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, another big hit. A few failures along the way, but those are the early shows that we know of him
4: for.
3: The other thing is, is uh, you know, like, like Jan was saying, you know, we, we all know the big hits, West Side Story, A Little Night Music, uh, Merrily We Roll Along, Into the Woods. For you, as a Sondheim aficionado, what is that sort of hidden gem that the rest of the public kind of overlooks?
15: Wow. Well, it's interesting to me that you named Merrily We Roll Along, which wasn't a hit in its original production. Um, and yet, um, I think Sweeney Todd is the one that people consider to be his masterpiece. Um, I'm just looking into his freshman show, the very first show he wrote, which he was expected to get onto Broadway when he was just 23 years old. It's called Saturday Night. Um, unfortunately, the producer died, and young Steve didn't see that, uh, show on at all until, uh, 1990. It was finally done in London, but it's beautiful. It's a sweet little comedy. It's not at all like the darker things that he
9: created as an adult. What was the, in your class, which sounds so good, oh, it just mm. sounds marvelous, mm. and Sean, your, your wonderful, uh, I think she's Sister. your sister-in-law, Sean, mm-hmm. told me about it, and I got very uh. excited. Um, uh, what will surprise people they don't know about sometimes?
15: Sure. One of the things that's really fun, is from my class on Merrily We Roll Along, and it's going to tie together our conversation about Saturday night. In Merrily We Roll Along, struggling theater artists are working their way sort of up to the to the famous rung where they ended up as, as older adults. And uh, when they're young, they're trying out new audition material for a producer who just can't stand it and says, Oh, it's just, you need a tune, you've got to hum. Well, this is an homage to that very, very first show that he wrote Saturday Night. There's a song in there that is almost identical to what he wrote when he was a young man. And he's sort of making fun of all the producers who said, well, young man, you'll never go anywhere writing songs like that.
3: (laughs) You know what? Also, do you sort of make sure that you're not the guy in Annie Hall who claimed that he, he taught Marshall McLuhan at NYU and then Woody Allen pulls out Marshall McLuhan and he says, you don't know anything about me.
15: Yeah, you know, you always wonder that uh, that you make assumptions about shows. You know, I just had a great experience via email where I, I, I emailed John Wideman, who uh, you all may know is the librettist for Pacific Overtures, and he wrote uh, Assassins, and he um, he's just, you know, he's the guy to go to when you have questions. And I just wrote to him, and I said, Hey, I discovered this super cool thing about one of your songs. Did you know this? And he went, Well, no, Steve and I weren't thinking of that at the time at all.
4: (laughs) So, you know, that's how it goes.
15: But he was intrigued
9: by my theory and thought, Well, that's kind of cool. It's not what we had in mind, but it's cool. mm -hmm. Um, You know, Sondheim blows my mind at the Lewis. And I know that he wanted to do composing as well of music. Mm Mm-hmm. how did his? Uh, this is sort of a jump, but how did yeah. his being a gay man uh, inform his work? That's a great question. Um,
15: you know, I do a lot of thinking about that as a, as a gay person myself. And he was, I, you know, closet is a weird word, but he wasn't openly so as a, as a gay man until he was sixty and got into his first relationship when he was sixty. Uh, many people find sort of proto-gay characters in his early work, um, characters uh-huh. who are coded as gay, Bobby from Company being, being one of them. And he always denied that. He always said, look, if I had thought Bobby was gay, I would have written him as gay. It's not like I was afraid of it. I just don't think right. of Bobby as gay. Um, he did finally write a gay character in the last musical that made it to Broadway called Roadshow, the story of the real-life Meisner brothers, one of whom was gay. And they wrote him a a beautiful gay love song and a and a partner. How about- oh, I'd
9: like to see that show. Mm.
15: It's wonderful. I love the
9: whole that whole story is, is so fascinating. Yeah. Wilson Meisner and all that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, my God, Gypsy is such a gay musical as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Where do you find gayness in you know? Gypsy Jan? Where the strippers, honey. The three strippers yeah. and yeah. you gotta have a gimmick. That's my that's something that had a huge impact on me. And also, ah. other things, everything's coming up roses. It's, just, it's yeah. a gay sensibility. It is a gay sensibility. And, that, you know, it's
15: hard mm-hmm. to pin that down, but um, Arthur Lawrence, who wrote the book, was gay. Jerome Robbins, the choreography and the direction, was gay. You know, yeah. it, it sometimes surrounded himself, not just with, with gay collaborators, but Jewish collaborators. And one uh-huh. could say, well, that's who you're going to find on Broadway, especially in, in mid-last century. But it certainly, um, it was over-determined. There were, there, were, there were more gay people represented in Sondheim's life than in than Broadway generally,
4: I think, as a, as a proportion.
3: Mm-hmm. Let, let me ask you this. Uh, apparently, the rumor is like 15 years ago, Lin-Manuel Miranda went to him with this play called The Hamilton Mixtape, and he said, mm-hmm. what do you think? And he said... Mm-hmm. If you rap all night, it's going to get monotonous, which I think is true. <laughs> but he believed in Miranda, and he gave some notes on it, huh?
15: Yeah. Yeah. Boy, you've really done deep dive into this stuff. Yes. What Miranda said Sondheim told him were three words. Variety, variety, mm. variety. Yeah. And that's why we end up with mm-hmm. things like um, You'll Be Back, you know, the, the pop rock homage and, and other numbers that are not strictly rap, but rather um, – Homages to, to other musical theater styles.
9: Mm hmm, mm hmm. Yeah, you know, you think of Sweeney Todd, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's such a radical departure from something like West Side Story or Gypsy because mm-hmm. it's so, uh, it's just so rad. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's such yeah. a hardcore, horrific. I saw it in New York, and I just about died. It, was, it scared yeah. me so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Rick Pender,
15: who wrote the Sondheim Encyclopedia, likes to say, "You know, if you see one Sondheim show, you've seen one Sondheim show." <laughs> Talk about variety, variety, variety. You know, you compare right. Sweeney Todd to a Little Night Music, and you can't believe the same guy wrote both of them.
3: Yeah, that's well, really cool. Yeah, I said we only have, have about a minute left. com. What are we going to get here in these five sessions?
15: Right. Oh, bless your heart. We're going to talk about what makes Sondheim great. And we're going to look at West Side Story, A Little Night Music, Pacific Overtures, Merrily We Roll Along, and Into the Woods.
4: So TalkingSondheim
15: at gmail.com will get you to me, and I'll, I'll tell you all about the classes
4: then. Yep,
3: talkingsonheim.com once again, starting June 20th to July 25th. Five sessions for only 60 bucks. What a deal, Tuesday nights deal. at 4 Pacific, and, of course, 7 on the East Coast. We have been speaking with Gail Leander-Wright. Gail, congratulations on the class.
15: Thank you so much, Rick and Jen. Gail. Lovely. We're happy to talk Sondheim with you anytime.
3: And, Jan, now I know what you'll be doing uh, 4 o'clock on Tuesdays uh, for uh, six weeks. You got it. Absolutely.
9: (laughs) What could be better than talking Sondheim with someone who really knows?
3: Good stuff. All right. Well, let's go off the theater and into the kitchen. We'll have Chef Kathy Fang next with me, Rick Tittle, and Jan Wall right here on Sports Byline. Mm
4: Who do you think you are? Mr. Big Stuff You're never
9: gonna get my love Now because you wear All those fancy clothes Oh yeah, And have a big fine car Oh yes you do now
16: Before New Cascade Platinum Plus, I would pre-rinse all my dishes because my old detergent just wouldn't get them clean. But now... I do dishes differently. And no pre-wash, no re-wash, money-back guaranteed. kind of different. Because Cascade Platinum Plus has double the grease-fighting power of Dawn built right in. With twice the scrubbing power,
17: giving me a clean that lets me break all the dish rules. I just scrape, load, and I'm done. Yep. So clean.
16: With Cascade Platinum Plus, I dare to dish differently.
17: If you're struggling to keep up with conversations, avoiding restaurants because you can't understand the waiter...
18: Collectible Exchange is the most trusted sports memorabilia company in the country, carrying game-used, autographed, and other one-of-a-kind items. Founded by collecting icon Brandon Steiner from Steiner Sports, they can also help you evaluate, authenticate, and sell your sports collectibles. Instead of collecting dust, your items could be collecting cash. So check out the biggest collectible marketplace in the U.S. at collectibleexchange.com. With over 150,000 items and over 80 pro and college athletes selling directly to you, that's collectibleexchange.com.
8: I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic. Maybe I could be a food critic. These muffins taste bad. Or an art critic. That painting is bad.
14: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: All right. Thank you for that, Rick Tittle, with you alongside Jan Wall here on Sports Byline, coast to coast, around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. There's a new docuseries on the Food Network entitled Chef Dynasty, House of Fang. And we are here with the eponymous, Kathy Fang. Kathy, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more about this new project, please.
2: Hi, and thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, The new project is very exciting for our family. Uh, Some of you may not know, but House of Nanking has been around for over 34 years, and it is still packed and busy, and it's essentially like a legacy institution of a business, um, I grew up in that restaurant. That's where I fell in love with food and naturally ended up in the food industry and opened Fang Restaurant located in Silma with my dad. And so it's this whole family affair, uh, father-daughter business, and the show essentially highlights that relationship. What is it like to run a family
9: business?
2: And it also, I would like to call it as like a love letter to San Francisco. I was born and raised here. San Francisco is the first place that my parents stepped foot into after immigrating from China and we've always made it our home so we really wanted to showcase the beauty of the city and the culture and the food that is within San Francisco
3: One of the things I love about your restaurant is that I remember in college in the 80s we would go there and we would bring in our own beer and no one would hassle us Should I not say that out loud?
2: (laughs) Um no, no, it's totally fine. Yeah, it's it, like House of Nanking just has this, like, almost cult following, I would say. You know, people who yeah. have been here at, at any point in their lives have either been there, know about it, or are regulars. And their stories, mm-hmm. just like the one that you mentioned. Uh, people will be, like, waiting outside, having beers. They'll bring stuff in. You can bring in wine. Um, people are sharing tables. It's just got this really unique uh, experience. The food is unique. The owner is unique. That's my dad. Um,
9: yeah, it's, it's iconic. So I watch, this is Jan I watch it all the time, uh, you now, because you are very, te- what we call telegenic. You're, first of all, you're drop dead gorgeous, but also the way you do food, the way you talk to the camera, it seems to me you have a background in that kind of work. Have you been in television before? Well, not quite in that, um, not at that level. The
2: only instances where I've been on camera is I've done cooking competitions. I don't have to talk a lot for those. Um, You don't necessarily have to be, uh, I I guess, like good for television for that. I was on Chopped. I won that twice. I've been on guys' grocery games, but um, this whole genre of, you know, Doing interviews and having a whole reality series is completely new for me. I, I do love talking about food. It's easy for me to um, share my passion, so I guess that shows through the television. But no, I've never had like training or
19: had practice doing things really, on TV. <laughs> how
3: how fair is I'm it for you father. to? Yeah, how fair is it for you to win Chopped and go back and win it again?
2: <laughs> um, so what happened is. They brought back the champions and did this tournament. Um, There were three separate competitions, and then whoever won those then go head-to-head, vying for an opportunity to beat Bobby Flay. So it was kind of like a combo show between Chopped and Beat Bobby Flay.
9: Mm. And
2: that's how I ended up going and winning a second uh, second Chopped competition. (laughs) Mm.
9: It seems that those will make you crazy. I mean, the competition, I yes. Well, all that competition is so dangerous. I mean, you guys are working with knives, and you're on a, a huge time pressure. I don't see how people do it. So I personally, you know, when I was doing it,
2: I would say I was maybe about seven, eight years younger. I do think these types of format is more more suitable for the younger folks, because as I, you know, As I've gotten older, I, at this point, I'm 14 years in of opening my own restaurant. I'm kind of an oldie now. I am not really that young (laughs) and you just, you don't move as quickly. You can't think as quickly as the people who are now like Mm -hmm. in their twenties. They process information very differently. So yeah, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's tough even if you're young and now as I feel older, um, and even though more well seasoned, it makes me even more nervous now to do competitions. It's strange. You think you'd get more used to it, but you don't. Each time, it feels very new and very
9: different. As Bobby Flay would say, "What's your go-to dish? What's your signature dish?" <laughs> My signature dish at
2: Fang is our Fang's crispy honey chili short rib. Mm. But this—that's different from, let's say, signature dish at home. Because, you know, I cook for my kids. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And my husband is essentially kind of like a kid as well, the way that he eats. (laughs) So um, my signature dish at home is pasta bolognese. It's like as simple as you can get. But um, I, aside from cooking Chinese food, Italian is my favorite to to cook. Mm. I found it very similar to Chinese food. It's like very comforting and you can utilize very simple ingredients to create, like, a one-pot wonder.
3: Well, we're speaking I with Kathy a- Fang uh, on the Food Network, Chef Dynasty, House of Fang. Whose idea was it that you would <laughs> – uh, it's so cool. You would bring out a House of Nanking, the fried rice like fajitas. You'd have the thing in the middle, and then you'd kind of break it up with the scrambled eggs. I mean, you make fried rice fascinating.
9: Yeah. You know, it's – It kind of was like um the
2: idea came from honestly the whole teppanyaki concept you know we went to hong kong and there's this fabulous place way more high end than you know house of Nanking, called sanka and they they would make this garlic fried rice with eggs in front of you on a hot skillet it was like a huge huge skillet and just the the beautiful art behind watching someone making your fried rice. I don't know why. It was just very mesmerizing and made it taste so much better too because you could smell it. Um, and so we're like, we could do something like this. We don't have a full teppanyaki, but we can get a hot skillet. And so that's how the idea came about. And then I told my dad, my dad's like, great, let's let's figure out the seasoning behind it. It can't just be a regular egg fried rice. So we have like our own secret seasoning mixed into that rice. It's not just a simple advice that you get at a Chinese restaurant. So you've got theatrics, you've got the smell, the sensory element of it, and we like to kind of do it at the very end, sort of like the like.
9: <laughs> <Ta-da>. <laughs> Yeah. People I are like, Where's a, the food are uh, like just wait for it, just wait for it. <laughs> I have a speech I give about food and wine in the movies. Do you have mm-hmm. a favorite food movie?
2: Uh, yes, the menu, (laughs) the menu right now is one of our, I, it's, you know, it is a very dark movie, um, with, with some comedy in it, but the reason why we enjoy it a lot is it's very hard for my husband and I to be able to, um, enjoy the same type of food movie because obviously I'm a huge foodie, right? I'm in the chef space, food space. My husband is not; he is not a foodie by any means. So we always have to come on compromise and find something that's enjoyable for both. And I feel the menu does that. It, it kind of makes fun of the industry in a you know playful, dark, but comedic manner that my husband was mm-hmm. able to understand. He also felt very validated with his perspective, like, oh, I'm not really like the, the strange, you know, one that most people are not <laughs> like. There are people like me, right? After a really fancy meal, all I want is just a damn good burger, <laughs> right? So uh-huh. Uh-huh. It, it was just kind of that perfect movie that had a little bit of both like it's satisfied foodies and non-foodies
3: so what you're saying that, that, is that, what you're saying that, is the menu is like the house of Nanking minus <laughs> minus the mass suicide
9: yes especially and i you're that's
2: very intuitive for you to say because i was just going to follow up with You know being a chef and having a restaurant and being able to become successful over so many years it that's essentially what you need to do is you have to make food approachable and delicious for all not just foodies but also people who are not foodies right like it needs to appeal to the general public if it's very specific sure that's one way of doing things but um then i feel like the chances of survival is is a lot less. So that's kind of the way we've done business. And it's like kind of mirrored in this movie minus, yes, the, the mass suicide, but yeah, it's very intuitive You for picking that up.
4: Jenny, um,
9: has this brought, brought your father and you closer or do you sometimes get kind of annoyed with each other? How does that dynamic work? <laughs> um, So if, if any of you like
2: actually know me or see me at the restaurant quite often with my dad, you would think it's impossible to get my dad and I any closer because <laughs> I, I basically see my dad more than I see my husband because I'm always at the restaurant, so is my dad. I talk about every single business decision with him, almost to like a fault because I am my own businesswoman, but it's captured on the show that, I value not only the business partnership, but more importantly, the father-daughter relationship, right? That takes precedence over everything else, which is why, out of respect and out of the way that I was brought up and grew up and my, my loyalty and gratitude towards my dad, I'm extremely close to him. I involve him in every single aspect, even if it's adding a dish on a menu, which some people are like, that's, quite, that's like crazy, you're 41, you've run a successful restaurant for 14 years, and you still got to ask your, ask your dad for basically, <laughs> like, permission? It's so weird. But I'm like, it's weird to others. It's not weird to me, right? It feels comfortable for mm-hmm. me, although, yes, it can be sort of annoying because I'm like, Dad, can we just, you know, can we just be a little bit more open-minded, right? <laughs> like, um, But that's what makes our relationship special. If it wasn't that way, Maybe we wouldn't be as close, right? Like you have to have some sort of friction, although it's very light friction. It's not like gonna make or break the family up. It's just these little, little things that we have disagreements over. But doing the show to answer your question, um, I, I don't think it necessarily brought my dad and I closer. What happened is it, it allowed us to actually see our own relationship play out in front of our eyes. And I actually found my dad a lot more endearing Mm. after watching it because I was like, oh, you know, even though he was basically telling me, no, your idea is bad, it was kind of cute the way that he was doing it. And he's being so much like himself and producers kept saying, your dad is so funny. He's so funny. I was like, I I don't get it. It Like, my dad is the last person anyone could say is funny. He's like tough. (laughs) He's scary. He's intimidating. You know, his eyes bulge out like. But so when I watched it, i thought, like, oh, he's actually not that intimidating. How odd! And then my dad watched the show, and he's like, wow, Kathy, you're you're kind of you're actually like really well spoken. I'm like, well, I mean, it's not like I don't talk to you. I'm I'm talking the same way, but on television, he's like, you're pretty well spoken. I didn't really notice that.
4: That's great like, stuff. Oh, great. we
2: have, we, we got to
3: run. Everybody should check out the new Food Network docu series, Chef Dynasty. House of Fang and Kathy F- Fang, you can see her on IG, you can see her on TikTok. Her book, Easy Asian, which is about food, is there as well. Kathy, congratulations and thanks for coming on.
9: Thank you hey, for thank having you, me. Kathy. This was so fun. Come to the restaurant i have take TikTok fried rice.
3: Absolutely. Free garlic <laughs> pea shoots on you. <laughs>
9: oh, yes.
3: <laughs> <Yum>. Yes. <laughs> All right, good stuff. And Jen, you have a recommendation on the other side?
9: Certainly do.
3: Good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back with Jan
1: That's
6: 800-788-1495. Now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb.
14: it always
9: goes commando.
14: All
3: right, we have about 90 seconds. Jan, what should we be watching?
9: Well, let me tell you, it is Cinco de Mayo, so tortilla soup. We were just talking about food in the movies, because mm-hmm. we were talking about the menu. And tortilla soup is the story of a wonderful um, uh, Mexican chef. Uh, Hector Alexandro plays him, and he's a great Mexican chef. And he has three daughters. This is a remake of Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, which is the same story but about Asians. A- a- Asians yeah and so this is really excellent about a Mexican family and a chef father and the three daughters who are all kind of trying to live their lives free of him but at the same time loving him and his food
3: I can so tell you, you what to av- soup. i can I can tell you what to avoid.
9: Oh, okay, yeah.
3: You always have lousy ones, Rick. Wow, wow. Well, I don't want to, but on Paramount Plus, they've done a remake of Fatal Attraction. They made it a mini series with Joshua Jackson oh and Lizzie Kaplan. It is the biggest turd, boring, no chemistry, <laughs> not sexy, not scary. It is a complete. Wow. It is a complete turd. And on that happy <laughs> you note to say and that happy note, have a margarita on me. Happy Cinco de Mayo, Jan. <laughs> you too, Rick <laughs> right. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everyone. All right, I'm Rick Tiller. we got another two hours. Lori Kilmartin is on her way in, so come on back.
11: This is USA
21: News. I'm Cory Myers. The World Health Organization says COVID-19 is no longer a global health emergency. The World Health Organization saying the pandemic has been on a downward trend for over a year, adding that that trend has allowed nations to return to life as they knew it before the pandemic. The Democratic and Republican leaders of the House are demanding Russia immediately release two Americans detained in Moscow.
22: In a rare joint statement, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries condemned the ongoing and illegal detention of Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich and ex-Marine Paul Whelan. They said the Kremlin is holding Gershkovich hostage and continues to unjustly imprison Whelan. I'm Dave Collins.
21: Some more regional banks taking a hit on Wall Street this morning shortly after the markets opened.
23: Despite assurances from the Federal Reserve yesterday that the banking system is on solid footing, regional bank stocks have faltered this morning. PacWest, which has been hit hard since regional banks started wavering in March, fell a record 42% after the market opened. Shares of another regional bank, First Horizon, fell 37% after it disclosed this morning its planned $13.4 billion acquisition by TD Bank was called off. T.D. officials say the deal was scrapped because they were unsure when and if it would get regulatory approval. I'm Lance Pry.
21: The 149th running of the Kentucky Derby is tomorrow at Churchill Downs, with the favorite to win being Forte. Unfortunately, the excitement of the week has been overshadowed by the deaths of four horses in recent days. Two of them, trained by Safie Joseph Jr., who was suspended indefinitely on Thursday, This is USA News.
5: So, you need life insurance, right? Protection for your family? But who has time to meet with an agent? You're busy. But what if there was a better way? A way to protect your family, your loved ones, make sure you can send your kids to college, keep the family home, no matter what happens. Well, you can. With no agent visit, no medical exam, no blood work, none of the stuff that makes life insurance a hassle. Go to ethosliferadio.com. That's ethosliferadio.com. Ethos Life Radio is a 100% online buying platform for life insurance powered by Ethos. We match you after a simple online interview with a life insurance. Policy that matches your needs at the best price. EthosLifeRadio.com shops your policy to over 100 carriers instantly to get you the best price. And best of all, EthosLifeRadio.com is a marketplace. This is not a lead source. Your information will not just be sold with endless emails, calls, and texts. We give you the opportunity to buy life insurance online. Simple, in less than 15 minutes online, with no medical exam if you qualify. Do the right thing for your family today. Go to EthosLifeRadio.com. EthosLifeRadio.com.
21: It's now day four of the Hollywood writers' strike that turned TV and film sets across the nation dark. Thousands of Writers Guild of America members have been picketing outside major studios in the L.A. area since Tuesday. The head of one of those studios says his company is ready for an extended work stoppage. Celebrities are also joining the writers. Drew Barrymore has pulled out of hosting the MTV Movie and TV Awards in support of the strike. AI isn't just invading schools, but your restaurants, too. The Midtown Tavern in Moorhead, Minnesota, has some new help on the wait staff. Robot server Bella provides service with a happy cat smile that's been programmed on her screen. The robot is able to navigate the restaurant floor using a programmable map. Midtown Tavern's owner says he's been dealing with staff shortages for the past couple years, so Bella's been a welcome addition. How much do you tip a robot server? The NBA playoffs continuing with second-round action tonight. In the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia 76ers hosting the Celtics for Game 3 of their series. The Celtics and the Sixers tied at one game apiece. In the West, the Suns welcoming the Denver Nuggets to Phoenix for Game 3. Denver leading that series two games to none. Paramount confirming that the Kevin Costner-led Yellowstone will end after five seasons this fall. I'm Corey Myers, USA News.
1: So if you've lost a loved one due to COVID-19, call the legal helpline right now to find out if you qualify for a cash award. Here's our number. 800-918-4086. 800-918-4086. 918 4086 That's 800-918-4086. Paid for by the IPG Law Group.
15: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
2: I hate that guy. I love that guy.
3: Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. And if you're watching on Twitch.tv, you see the lovely and talented Lori Kilmartin, the hilarious comedian. She is at the Punchline. She has two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow. And uh, Lori and I go back. We're both Contra Costa County Catholic school kids. And uh, when you come home, is there still a there there for you here?
16: No, I, sometimes I drive by my parents' old house just to make sure that uh, they, the new owners, didn't cut down the plum trees. But I don't know what I would do if they <laughs> did. But um, no, it doesn't feel like it anymore. Everyone's gone. Like most of my family is dead or left the Bay Area. They just,
4: you know, went their right.
3: Could you get a little close with the mask on? I need you. A little, you're going to have to make love to that Mike with the All mask right. On.
16: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm still... I haven't had COVID yet, so I'm trying to keep ha- my
3: streak, my I, lucky streak. I haven't either. I mean, maybe I have. Um, yes, it's
16: possible to have had
3: yeah, had it and not known it if it's yeah. asymptomatic. But I remember in December of twenty one I was on the subway when Omicron hit and I had a mask on but everybody got it and I didn't so wow either either I missed it or I'm a majestic stallion.
16: <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a stallion. I really uh, do.
3: Thanks, Lori. So two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow at the World Famous Punchline.
16: Correct. 9.45 tonight.
3: Tomorrow. So do you have to kind of store up your energy or are you such a pro at this point that it's like riding a bike?
16: Well, I always kind of go over my, I'm always trying to break in new material and get rid of material that I'm sick of. So Mm -hmm. it's a constant process of, uh, you know, just uh, adding punchlines to Mm -hmm. weak bits and uh, getting rid of stuff that makes me sigh when I start telling, you know what I mean?
3: (laughs) Your internal sigh, like, here we go again. Yeah, yeah. It's like when Ozzy says I have to do paranoid one more time kind of like that. Like, it is. Man. It is. Yeah. All right. She's working on punchlines at the punchline. I am. And uh, you'll hang out here for a little while?
16: Yeah, for sure. Come
3: on. Yes, and if she sounds muffled, she's wearing a mask, as you did last time. Does very... it
16: sound really muffled? I'm very sorry. No,
3: it's okay. Okay. It's like three mic guards. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> and we can totally understand you. It will not be windy in here, I'll tell you that. Lori Kilmartin <laughs> is with us. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
4: Check out Channel 9. Check out
3: Rick Tunnel. All right. Thank you for that. Check me out. And uh, Twitch.tv, you can check out the high def camera is on. <laughs>
4: oh, Lori
3: Kilmartin mm-hmm. and those baby blues. When you think of her, you think of her at the punchline tonight and tomorrow. And you also think of bagpipes.
16: You know, constantly. Uh, we were just talking off the air. And I don't know why we didn't save this conversation for the air. <laughs> it's just about bagpipes <laughs> versus accordions. <laughs> and bagpipes, pipes one. Completely.
3: Bagpipes. Um, they're more. I think what it is is that, like I, I was saying, if you're in a cafe in Paris and there's some guy, you know, singing, oh, up, yeah, use son, yeah, and he's got the little thing, you think, oh, it's kind of, you know, themey. Yeah. But there's something about an army marching to bagpipes in kilts yeah. and little purses, and of course, apparently, if you're really Scottish, which I'm not. You're not supposed to have any undergarments either
16: that's there that's a fearlessness that everyone should be aware of yeah. um, because if you're not afraid of losing your testicles <laughs> when they're that exposed, that means you have done a lot of training. you've
3: done the work. How about the original Olympics? they always say well, all the sports, the wrestling, the racing it all took place in the nude
16: um yeah uh there's a lot of things about the, the Greeks we seem to have <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> Pushed under the rug a little bit because, yeah, they were pretty horny people. It seems like
3: they were horny people. Americans, though, puritanical, not so much.
16: No, not so much. But the ancient Greeks seemed like they were gender fluid. I'm guessing Mm -hmm. Uh, grossly age inappropriate. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of stuff going on there.
3: I think we should cancel the original Olympics (laughs) Well you're right Like America instead of don't tread on me It should have said on our uh, uh, Flags back there in the 1700s Hashtag don't touch me (laughs) King George or neighbor Hezekiah
16: Are you now are you excited for the Coronation tomorrow I know There's a certain type of person that will be waking Up at 2 a.m. to watch it
3: I was going to ask what I won't I will watch highlights Same Thing. yeah I definitely will watch highlights I, I mean it's the first coronation of our lifetimes obviously yeah I've been to Westminster Abbey I've seen the the little old wood chair that apparently came down from Boudica which there's no way it did that, wow. yeah if you want to go way back right um so uh yes I am into the pomp and circumstance I I am part you know British and like I said I've been there many many times um so I'll watch the high I'm not getting up at 2 a.m for King Charles now if it was wills. Maybe I would, yeah. Uh, just because there, I think there'd just be a little bit more panache, but I don't know.
16: I don't know, man. I've I think bec- I've become drawn back into the Royals because of the Harry Megan stuff. Mm. Now I am I'm anti Will, anti Kate, and pro Harry and pro Megan
3: Wow. Yeah. I think one time over here at Tosca's, I ordered a uh, a Harry Megan and it was, <laughs> I had the worst hangover ever.
4: <laughs> oh my
3: god. Um well this is the let's get into this now. Okay. Forget sports and comedy. Um I sort of feel in a weird way, and look, hashtag love wins. She's sure. she's not a white blue blood, which right. I think is great. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I feel a little sorry for Harry that he's living in LA now and he's I know he's not just a guy, but I kind of felt like he gave all that up when he should have been able, I think. To manipulate it in a way where he could do what he wanted to do and still keep all that. Your thoughts?
16: Did you read the? No.
3: Okay. Spare. He tried. He did yes. try. The uh,
16: um, the the family, like his brother and his stepmother, particularly Camilla, mm-hmm. would would uh, dis- they all decided early on Harry's the one we trade stories for, so that people back off of our stuff. Wow. They have this weird psychotic relationship with tabloids. For example, it's heavily rumored that Williams having an affair with this woman named Rose, and they want to keep that off the out of the headlines. Mm-hmm. So they would, you know, feed stuff about Harry and Meghan to the tabloids, and uh, Meghan didn't like that, understandably. And then there was like this added component of horrific racism in terms of like, the, mm-hmm. you know, however she would be messaged and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I think they just were like, "All right, we're out of here. If you guys aren't gonna help us, we're gone." I don't know. Uh, Montecito's very nice. Mm-hmm. It's gigantic. I think it's like he's always uh, he's lived inside this like cult, basically, where everyone acts like the monarchy is a real thing. I mean, like it's technically real, but it's they're just <laughs> they're just descended like a thousand years ago from you know looters, basically. Yeah. So it's I don't know. Uh, I I I feel bad because he can't see his family. It sucks to not be able to see his family. And Megan as well, her her the white side of her family just went insane, mm. you know, trading stories and stuff like that. So they're both like without their families. So they're I guess they're creating their own unit.
3: When I was uh, I, w- I was writing for a newspaper that was published in England. I was coaching football there a little bit to the Metropolitan Police Department. Uh, yeah, the bobbies. I was coaching American football. And nice.
16: Oh, you had your, a little Ted Lasso sort of experience. Kind
3: of, sort of. Yeah, back in 01, oh one, oh two, oh three. Fun. And um. But uh Harry at that time got caught with uh cannabis <laughs> and the headline in all the red toppers were Harry Pothead. Oh my god. That was Now let me ask you this, do you think Major Hewitt is his real father since he looks exactly like him?
16: No, you know who he really looks like is Prince Philip, a young prince Philip. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think it's So think, he looks like his grandfather. He does. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, he's the he's uh, he she wouldn't have done that, you know? Like and and I don't think Hewitt came into her life until
3: okay later that's later. what i think too i mean she was definitely getting down with hewitt but the time later. the timeline doesn't work it doesn't work and
16: yeah. uh there's a she has a ton of redheads in her family you know like her sister he also looks exactly like her sister mm-hmm. sarah ferguson if he, or sarah uh
3: her? um uh sarah spencer thank you yeah. lady, lady spencer and yeah yeah, yeah.
16: check yeah <laughs> check them out they look exactly alike but no hewitt's not the dad
3: one no. of my favorite timeline things as a history major yeah um was that the? I
16: noticed l- you dropped that Boudicca reference easily. Oh, thank you. I'm like, glad that, that you even
3: know who Boudica is. She was I like a,
16: a. Was she like a Welsh general or a Welsh sort? She of?
3: was. She was an English like English, matriarch. Okay. But when remember, um, Julius Caesar went into Britannica.
16: Yes, I remember. And then yes.
3: he and then he got out. Right. It was just too far away. Yeah. And then Caligula says, "I'm going back." Caligula got to the channel. He got scared. He had everybody throw their spears into the channel to kill like sea nymphs. Then he took a hundred of his own men, put them in rags, and brought them back to Rome and paraded him saying, These are these English guys. No. Yeah, and everyone knew. It's like, isn't that Antonio? <laughs> That's right? my
16: dad. So what are it you was, talking
3: about? <laughs> 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 oh my god. Dad, it's like, no, my name now is Dylan.
16: <laughs> Simon. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm Nigel, aren't I? Is it Ilroy? Sorry. But then Claudius, he yeah. was the one who says, we're going in. And that's when they had the Battle of Brentford and Boudicca on her chariot and all that. And so for Queen Elizabeth to say she's a direct descendant, I mean, you think about, um, you know, the Norman Conquest with William. He was French. You think about uh Queen Victoria. Those are all Germans. They're Germans, yeah. yeah.
16: They had to change their name during World War One. It was yes. Sax uh, it was Saxa Sachs- uh... Coburg yes. and
3: um yeah, Lord Mountbatten. It was Battenberg
4: Right. Yeah. yeah.
3: And so you had to change it to Lord Mountbatten. And then the IRA killed Lord Mountbatten. I used to watch him on a PBS show as a kid and I thought he was so cool and then the IRA blew him up.
16: Deservedly. Your
3: and relatives.
16: Deservedly. <laughs> that guy was a pedophile. He was a known pedophile. Diddling uh, little Northern Irish boys,
3: so good. This is all turned into the darkest things <laughs> because Lori <laughs> promoting open murder. <laughs> More open murder on the other side. Let's. T- <laughs> I'm, oh,
16: there was a, a kid was also killed during that.
3: The t- his two grandkids.
16: That's a that a, a, on the that, boat. I disavow that.
3: All right. But I'm glad I, we got that, and now, go. now everybody can come back for another <laughs> segment with Laurie Kilmartin, who's at the punchline. Come on back for more royal chit chat. <laughs> <laughs>
8: Let's help you next. Take advantage of the opportunity to get started today. Call 1-800-356-7308. That's 1-800-356-7308.
12: Again, 1-800-356-7308.
1: That's 800-278-1738. You
22: can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious!
14: Rick Tittle is a majestic stallion.
3: I yeah, have some doubt in your voice there, Joni Carroll. Welcome back <laughs> to the show. Rick Tittle and Lori Kilmartin, stand up comedian. She's at the world famous Punchline down here on Battery Street. She has two shows. Uh, tonight to tomorrow if you want to ask laurie a question the number all over the north american continent is 1-800-878-PLAY one eight hundred eight seven eight seven five two nine. for those of you who don't know laurie was the head writer for uh conan o'brien i
16: was one of the writers
3: one of the was writers not the head writer. but you only had a couple writers right
16: we had like 11 okay. 11 to 12
3: yeah okay that's a couple
16: yeah <laughs>
3: <laughs> what what is conan doing these days
16: um, he's doing a travel show. I think he, he's doing another show for HBO and uh, or a show for HBO and um it kind of follows along his other travel shows that he did when he was at TBS. Mm-hmm. So I think he just got back from Thailand and he was in Norway a couple weeks ago. So he's doing that and he has a podcast
3: that He got the needs a friend.
16: Yeah. This does very well, mm-hmm. and I think he really enjoys not having to put on makeup and get his hair done every single day for television. <laughs> I think that was the, the uh, when that I think that 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 had a part in his decision to end the show. Wow, <laughs> was I, I'm tired of doing
3: this. Wow, yeah. For you as the writer, did you, like, I love the one where he went to Ireland and the hat flew away and he oh, said, yeah. I can't believe my ancestors left this place. And didn't he do the <laughs> show in Cologne one time, I think, or he visited Cologne. I oh, know. Really? I don't know if he did the show from there, but did yeah. you, did you travel with him?
16: No, I wasn't uh, on the travel team. Sadly, the, the travel team, um,
3: was that Jordan guy, was he on it? Jordan
16: went on a couple of them, mm-hmm. I think, uh, Jordan went with him to Italy for sure. Right. Because Jordan fancies himself in And an he's Italian. so
3: deadpan. I don't buy yeah. things. I buy experiences. <laughs> yeah.
16: yeah. That's Jordan for sure. <laughs> he still works there and still what's like I still don't know what he does. <laughs> 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 what a life.
3: So for you in the ride, were, were you at 30 Rock at the time? Or were you...
16: No, no, no. I was just in California.
3: Okay. So uh, for the yeah. TBS. Yeah. Yeah, so the the writers' room is it the kind of thing where you're like Argus Hamilton and you get out a newspaper <laughs> and you're like you know there's
4: some deep cuts.
3: I, well, I'm a comedy nerd, <laughs> as you can tell. Or how do you go about it?
16: Um. Well, at that by that time, which is 2010, you know, there's no such thing as newspapers anymore. <laughs> so we went straight on the internet to get stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you know, just uh, I would I ended up coming up with a process for me where I would write like say, 10 to 20 setups, you know, uh, just reading new stories and trying to come up with things that seemed like they would be interesting to tell in a monologue, easy to understand, you know, easy to digest. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then I would kind of take a walk and clear my head and Ooh. then try to come back to them fresh. So it oh, wow. didn't feel like I had written them and just see what came out of me. And so that was sort of my method after a while of writing jokes.
3: Gotcha. Do you know what that reminds me of in a weird way? Here's a little trick for you. hmm. So, during the pandemic, I did this show out of my house for 14 months, right? Wow. Yeah, we were waiting for a vaccine and all this other stuff. Yeah. So, um, I would have these, Am- I, was, I should have been an Amazon Anonymous, because I would have some little gift at least three days a week. Something had to come to the door, something to look forward to. Yeah. Right? So, I have found now that if I go shopping, let's say I'm in your favorite store, Ross. Ah. And I get,
16: (laughs) and and that's just gleaned from my appearance today. This this is a Ross gown. And
3: I get a shirt. If I walk around with it for ten minutes, I don't want it anymore. Instead of going straight up and buying it, oh! After ten minutes, I'm like, "Eh, I don't want this. Yeah, right. So it's a good. If they say, you know, eat a full meal before you go to the grocery store. Yeah. So you don't buy everything you see because you're starving. So, um, what do you think about my Ross idea?
16: Your, the analogy to uh, uh, joke writing? Now
3: let's forget the analogy. Let's just okay. go with what do you think of my idea?
16: Oh, we're completely <laughs> switching topics now. And we've gone, we've turned into a shopping channel sort of show. That's fine. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Uh, yeah. I do think things look good. Uh, do you try them on or do you just buy them without trying
3: them on? I usually don't try them on because the only thing I try on are pants because if it's an XL shirt, I figure it's going to fit.
16: Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's. That's terrific. Um, mm. I, whatever. <laughs> this is so great. I'm so glad I brought it up. Your method, you know, it, it's obviously working. You're, you look very well dressed today in your red t shirt.
3: This is a, uh, actually club Tijuana soccer jersey. Oh, for Cinco de Mayo.
16: Nice. Oh, that's right. That's
3: yes. right. I forgot. Cinco de Stinco. Yes. Are, are you more, um, Because I would assume, now this would be gender appropriation, that you would want a margarita instead of a beer? Or am I wrong? (laughs) Um,
16: You know, the the worst uh, drinking experience I ever had involved upside down margaritas and I have never been able to drink one since.
3: What is an upside-down margarita?
16: Basically, I was flipped onto my back.
3: Oh, you were upside-down? Yes,
16: and <laughs> the ingredients of a margarita were poured into my mouth.
3: So this when you were tridel
16: Uh Basic, very <laughs> close. It was at UCLA, and I think it was uh, just a dorm party. Wow. And uh, then the next morning, I was on the swim team. Uh, I went to workout, and I just, every breath I took was infused with, day old tequila mm. and it was so disgusting to me that i haven't been able to enjoy it ever since
3: it's kind of worth it in a way to have that experience right because then you're for life you don't have to like be interested right. in it
16: yeah i guess so you know i mean there's always the risk that you uh only have tequila after that right. as well uh, and for, uh, on your back you know?
3: right so pack 10 swimmer yeah that's impressive now let me guess you grew up swimming at heather farms
16: um, I was at Heather Farms for a while at Walnut Creek and mm-hmm. then I switched over to San Ramon, okay. uh, Seawolves, uh, and we worked out at San Ramon High School.
3: Right. Because you had to go to, uh, Danville cause Walnut <laughs> Creek wasn't posh enough, right?
16: Well, here's the thing. Um, it was like a, this now you've opened up a can of worms. So you have no <laughs> idea. There were, uh, it was, I was following a coach to San Ramon. My coach was the co-ahead coach of uh walnut creek aqua bears and uh that doesn't work Mm -hmm. when you have two pedophile coaches vying for
0: (laughs) ooh (laughs)
16: control really so mine went and i followed him and then uh he's in prison now yeah
3: well according to you he should be blown up in a boat ah
16: with Lord Mountbatten's uh, grandchildren. Yes.
3: Oh my gosh! Yeah. So we're well. Do I? I gotta ask now. It'd be bad radio. Did you? Ever, ah! Did you ever have any bad experiences with these
16: I did gift? have bad experiences.
3: Oh, I'm yes. so sorry. Well, that's
16: okay. They weren't as bad as others' experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of my friends. So, wow. like, our team is sort of that memory of our team is you know, has a huge shadow over it because half of them were,
3: oh, no. you know, traumatized. Were you part way. of the, the, the class action suit or a court case? Or I was part of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
16: I get, but I wasn't uh, like the person who was suing actually had, you know,
3: did you have to have like a, did you get depot and give yeah. testimony? And, yeah.
16: Yeah. yeah in fact, in fact, I got a, a subpoena at a comedy show. I was up on stage, right. I did my set. I get off stage some guy's following me out to the parking lot. He's like, oh, my God, you're so great. And, of course, that's all I need to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and he get, hands me a subpoena and goes, sorry.
3: Uh, yeah. I was going to make a joke about the coach giving you a subpoena, and that, that would be really out of, oh uh, my God. that's just the worst. Rick,
16: let's get back to these lost <laughs> riffs that you had locked and loaded ready
3: for let's, me. <laughs> let's get back to the royal family. Yeah, Buckingham Palace. Um you I'm sure you've walked outside of it. Have you? you know. I
16: did go to London and took my kid and <clears throat> oh, uh, yeah, we walked around. It was pretty cool looking. Yeah.
3: And just to mention we were talking off the air, your son and you now big Walking Dead fans.
16: Yes. In yeah. fact, my sleep is messed up because we just uh, if, if there are any aficionados out there, season 6 when they're leaving um, Alexandria, covered in guts, mm. you guys know what happened at the end of that episode, and I, I have not been able to sleep well for a days.
3: Right, and I don't mind being a spoiler alerter, alerter, yeah. uh, alertist, because this was years ago, season right. six. Like, I guess so. Yeah, it was at least five years ago, I would think. Yes. Um, and what it is is that people had to cover themselves in guts to. I guess not be warm blooded and not look to blend in. So they would smell like Mm.
16: the zombies, the walking dead. Right. So they cover themselves in zombie guts that is that on its own, just gross. They like had ponchos just covered in guts. Right. Uh. They're, they're walking through zombies who, if if they knew that they were human would immediately devour them. Right. And they're, they're leaving uh, an occupied area. And, uh, there's a, a, a woman and her two children. And one of the kids just has a panic attack. Understandably. <laughs> Understandably. The stakes couldn't be higher. And he starts screaming. So the zombies devour him in front of the mother who is trying to stay silent. because So she doesn't get eaten. And then she can't. She just screams because her child's being eaten right in front of her. She immediately gets devoured. And the other, the other people in the rescue line just have to watch. And they can't say anything. You can't express horror. You just have to keep walking. Otherwise, you're next. And so wow. they just leave while this is happening. On that, I, even, I, It's hard to even sit on my skin right now.
3: Wow, that's, that's good writing. You, you carry yes, it with you. incredible. Well, let me ask you this as we're, before we go to a break here. Sophie's choice, would you give them the boy or the girl?
16: Oh, Wow. That's tough.
3: See, I'm very lighthearted with my question.
16: <laughs> I would just at that point I just would say to the Nazis, it's your choice.
3: Oh wow. I
16: wouldn't make it about me.
3: So you'd make it Carl Heinz's choice. <laughs> it's a different movie.
16: That's right. This is if you do Carl Heinz the guy that played the Nazi that
3: I made up the name. Ah! But what if he says if you don't choose, I kill both?
16: I would say uh you're gonna anyway. So <laughs> It's on you. You know what? Own your mistakes that's and own your murders. <laughs> that's what I that's the message of my comedy.
4: Own your murders.
3: Lori, own your murders. Kill Martin is with <laughs> us. She's at the punchline. Come on back.
11: Right now.
1: Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800 965 1295. 965 1295. 965 1295. That's 800 965 1295. That's 800-390-5160. I'm just a caveman.
6: Your world frightens and confuses me.
14: (laughs) Rick Tittle wants to hear from you. The phone call is free, y'all. Just dial 1-800-878-PLAY to get yourself on the air right now. Call him up now, lazy ass. 1-800-878-PLAY.
22: But I don't think you should be butting in when I'm talking to my team. You're my assistant, okay? You're supposed to back me up and go get me juice boxes when I tell you. Now go get me a juice box. You know who you're talking to? I'm talking to the juice box guy. You're crazy. Well, I'm not crazy. I'm just thirsty. Why well, are you go to hell? No, you go to hell. While you're there... What are you grabbing? A juice box. I'm no juice box boy, I'll tell you that. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not.
3: All right. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the show. And um, uh, Lori Kilmartin, stand up comedian who is here at the uh, Punchline, I have uh, shanghaied her into another segment. Yeah. Can I still say Shanghai?
16: Probably not. I'm going to say you can't say most of the things that you're saying, Rick. And yet, <laughs> you go on.
3: <laughs> white male privilege both <laughs> um somebody the other day was talking about how they were at a party and there was a line for the girls bathroom and the boys bathroom there was no line right and as the guy was walking in the girl goes male privilege I'm like is that what I don't think that's what male
0: privilege is
16: um no but it is a privilege to be able to pee when you have to pee <laughs> i mean you got to you got to respect that other people will be jealous <laughs> If, you don't have if to, they have to hold her for another 10 minutes.
3: You have know, the drop trowel. Right. That's what you're
16: saying. Well, once you get to the point where you got to pee at a show, like you don't want to leave, you don't want to get out of your seat. So once you get there, you're like, I'm ready to go. And just to see guys sailing in and out happily with probably not even washing their hands, mm-hmm. it's enough to make any woman angry.
3: Well, I've already been uncouth enough on this show. Let's go another... Let's, let me take it down another rung. Yeah. Because Joe List told a story about how he had his feature on and he had to go number two so bad but he thought this guy has about 10 minutes left I think I can make it work as soon as he saw, sat down and it was like crowning if you like yes the guy wrapped up early oh no there was no light and they go and now everybody here's Joe Liss. and he ran out and he said it was halfway out the whole show have you ever <laughs> I told you I'd take it down a couple of notches oh my god have you ever had anything like that
16: um I'm trying to think. I guess mine would be more blood-related uh, as a female. Although, yeah. it, uh, obviously, I'm not uh, menstruating anymore. But back in the day, oh. there have been times where I I was wearing dark jeans, so it was okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I would never, you know, wear white
9: mm-hmm.
3: pants on stage. White linen with no panties. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
16: and if, if a woman is wearing that, she has, literally just wrapped up her period the day before and she's confident mm. like she's got she's got a week of of white panties no mm-hmm. problems um so that's happened a few times uh, and i prayed that no one knew and maybe i'm sure they didn't if you're wearing dark jeans you know it's a it's a slow spread i did faint Whoa. at gotham comedy club and yeah. my pants during the fainting you um, asked your pants yeah
3: i know catholic girl we're on the radio
16: I forgot. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I'm so Let used me absolve
3: to you. podcast stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the wild west. All right. Yeah. We just lost our Tulsa affiliate. I just got the text.
16: <laughs> but who did we gain? That's what I want to know.
3: Uh, we gained a needle exchange in Wyoming.
16: <laughs> Even trade.
4: Yes. <laughs>
16: <laughs> so, yeah, I crapped my pants. And um, that was an uncomfortable ride back home.
3: What was the fainting?
16: Oh, I... Had, and I love
3: Gotham. It's a classy club.
16: It's a great club. And I was opening for Greg Barrett.
3: Yeah, he's and, been here.
16: Oh, he's great. And so I felt terrible because if you're a headliner, to, to have the feature faint, like the audience is going to be stressed out, right? So they had to reassure them I was okay. I was. I had uh, my my ex had just left the day before.
3: Not the Salesian guy.
16: No. <laughs> No,
3: <laughs> this is as an adult.
16: Yeah, as an adult, my son's father, and so I was okay. now living in New York City alone with a two-year-old,
4: Ugh, or maybe man. one and a
16: half. Wow! And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I was in in incredible panic and despair mm-hmm. for some reason, and this has never happened to me since. I I couldn't eat.
3: Wow, you were that.
16: Normally, that's Poor my thing. You were that heartbroken. Yes. Aw. Yeah. Sorry. And uh, and so when I got to Gotham, I was. I was just not in a good physical state and I think I had a glass of wine and then it all just came, came at me. And I saw, I was in the middle of my talking about my Russian ex-boyfriend and I just saw, I remember looking at the stage light going, it's so bright. And just then just feeling myself collapse. The doorman, I guess, saw it coming. oh wow! so he ran up and caught me before I completely fell.
3: Wow. What a hero. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Was it one of the Mazzilli brothers?
16: it wasn't Chris Mazzilli. Does he have a brother? I didn't know he had a brother. I
3: thought they have a couple of the Mazzillis over there.
16: Uh, you know what? When there's one Mazzilli, there's 100 Mazzillis.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know those Italians.
16: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was one of the doorman. I forget his name, but he, uh, I will always be grateful wow. that I didn't have a concussion because of him.
3: And so then did Greg have to come out 20 minutes early or something? Or? Uh,
16: I think the MC who is Barry Weintraub. Do you yeah, know, Barry? Sure. He could stretch. That guy can talk. That guy's been, mm-hmm. he's got a ton of material. So I think he covered the time. And uh, as far as I know, Greg turned it around and had a very successful show.
3: It's uh, its interesting you bring that up because I was at Gotham. Um, I think it was December, because I always go in December. It was December of 2021. Uh-huh. A guy, I, I didn't recognize him. He came out to open. <clears throat> it's funny because that night it was Adrian Appalucci, Louis Katz, you know, Oh, People nice who show. I like, yeah, yeah, and um, of course Adrian's so dark. Yeah, uh, it's just she's great. Yeah, but the, a, a guy came out, this white guy, and I and I had Louis in here a couple of weeks ago, and we were trying to think of who it was because it still bugs me. This is Gotham. This isn't you know like uh, open mic at the Bell House or something. Yeah. And, and, and even then, you. But the guy came out, <clears throat> and I'm a comedy nerd, right? I've been to a million shows. He comes out. He lays back in his in, in a in a on a, a chair. He had brought brought a chair. And he goes to every person in the room. Where are you from? What do you do? 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 And I'm like, are you kidding? And it was about, it was more than five minutes of it. And then there was a table of eight. All right, let's start here. Where are you from? What do you do?
16: Did he make jokes about anything? Or he just was like.
3: Then he was like, he might say like, <clears throat> you know, like I'm a doctor. Are you a real doctor? Or, you know, just like. Or, or and a so, chiropractor and so I or something didn't rea- like that. I didn't, I guess, oh my god! I didn't realize I was making a face because then he stops and he points at me. He goes, "Sir, are you going to smile at all tonight?" And I realize <clears throat> I'm not the show, and I don't want to like bring attention to myself in that situation. And I just kind of chuckled. I wanted so bad to say, "Will you write a joke? <laughs> will you? Will you? Will you tell a joke?" You're yeah. at, you're at Gotham. Yeah. What the f are you doing? Right. 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 And I just, and the thing is, we're all there to laugh. I'm rooting for the comedians. Yeah. I'm never like trying to punch holes in anything. But I just remember, like, I'm frowning because you're not even trying right now.
16: Right, 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 right. Yeah,
3: I just, have you ever seen that before? Oh, yeah.
16: I think that's that drives me nuts. And also, it's like when you have a, a short amount of time on stage, uh, why would you waste it, you know, asking people's occupations? So like, smug. You need to be, uh, in my opinion, uh, all your stage time is valuable, you know, and if it's a if it's a tiny amount of, of time on stage in front of a New York audience, that's a great time to be working on jokes that could get you on late night, you know. Right.
3: And plus, I mean, Seinfeld drops by. He could have been standing in the back. Right. Or, there's a saying in baseball, never throw away in at bat. And I remember do you remember Jason Giambi when he was on the A's. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. They were losing, I think, 9 to nothing. It was bottom of the ninth. There was two outs, and he worked a 10-pitch walk. The game was lost, but I just want to have some respect. He should have just gone up there and swung three times, and let's all go home.
16: Right, right, right.
3: But I, I admire the fact that he didn't throw away a major league at bat, and yeah. I thought that this guy did. All right, I'll move on. Another thing yeah, I'll, you're right, you're right. Thank you. Another thing I wanted to bring up with you <clears throat> is that when I was 14, I went to Luxembourg City. Oh! And I went to the giant American um, uh, memorial graveyard. What do they call T- it? Uh, graveyard. What's Cemetery? the Cemetery. Cemetery. Thank you. And I went to George S. Patton's grave. Right. He originally wanted to be buried with his men, but everybody traipsed through there, so they did move him aside. And I remember having French fries at a lovely little restaurant in Luxembourg City. I bring this all up. It is apropos because you yeah. are Luxembourgish.
16: I am due due to a one great grandmother, great great grandmother. Um, I was able to get my citizenship uh, so for do Luxembourg. You, do you have an
3: EU passport?
16: Uh, I could. I have a Luxembourg passport, and if I wow. and I plan to uh, live well, in Europe one day, that counts. Yeah, that'll get. I, I can get the EU passport. Yes.
3: Yes. that's just absolutely amazing
16: yeah, I can't believe I'm single I mean <laughs> I have so much to offer any man The US and an EU passport come on
3: I had um, my grandfather my dad's father was born and raised in Denmark and he came to California when he was 16. oh and I thought when I was spending so much time in London and and of course I did the backpack thing in college uh, all through the continent 18, oh, 19, deep. 20 yeah your rail pass it was so great so oh I'm, my I'm a God, total, that's so cool I know I'm a total europhile euro, yeah. euro snob. So I called the Danish consulate uh, on a whim because with FIFA, like I could qualify to play for Denmark soccer wise. So I, I called them and I said, is there any chance I can get a Danish passport? And they were like, what? And I was like, is there any chance I can get Then this? They got the head guy on and he's like, he basically told me what I already knew. He's like, what are you? What are you talking about? Why why would we give you one when your grandfather, you were born in California. Yeah. And your dad was born in California? Yeah. No. <laughs> and it is exactly what I would have said to some jackass <laughs> asking for the same thing. Yeah. But I try. That's why I think you having a Luxembourg one is cool. Plus it's a vestigial principality like Liechtenstein. I mean, the fact it's kind of like having a football team in Green Bay. What is it <laughs> yeah, doing? Right, right, yeah,
16: right, right, right. Uh, yeah, no, it, They be, when they uh, applied to join the EU, this, this turned into a, a thing that they had to accept, was that uh, I guess when Luxembourgers left Luxembourg in the 1800s, including my ancestors, um, they were not notified they'd been kicked off the, the citizenship rolls. Wow. And so that's... Um, I, I, somebody finagled that into, and so... <laughs> You must uh, give citizenship to any American who can prove that they were descended from one of these oh, wow. people, and the timeline's pretty narrow. So, um, and then you have to get a ton of church records and stuff like that. So it's a bit of a, a pain in the ass, but nothing like when someone's just moving to Luxembourg. You have to learn Luxembourgish. Mm. Um, you have to live there a certain amount of time. Like wow. I, I was able to do this from California, That's and great. we uh, did only, it on an app. Basically, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> So um, did uh, your relative have a French or a German sounding name? German. Okay.
16: German, yeah.
3: Yeah.
16: Um yeah, came here, fought uh fought in the Civil War on the right side, Rick.
3: Wow. Yes. Go Tennessee volunteers. Uh, oh, you of no, oh, no. the north. I Wisconsin. Thought you, you said the right <laughs> side.
16: Oh boy. My great Here we go. No,
3: my great great grandfather was and I grew up part of the time with my great-grandfather, his son. Wow. My great-great-grandfather was named George Washington Williams. Wow. He was born in a log cabin in Muncie, Indiana, and he fought for the Hoosier Regiment. So both of us have direct descendants that fought for the right side. Correct. In the Civil War, because we're superior and everybody else sucks.
16: Where's my parade? I'd like...
3: (laughs) Come on back. Where's my reparation? Right here on Sports (laughs) Byline.
1: That's 800-943-2153 Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long, 54 inch
4: wide gorilla? Is that what you're telling me?
14: This is the only sports talk show that features a Rhodes Scholar, but he ain't here today. Now back to Rick Tittle.
3: All right, a couple of minutes left with the fabulous Lori Kilmartin. Martin. She's at the Punchline. Two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow on Twitter. Any Lori sixteen? By the way, someone commented on my Facebook page that you are the best person on Twitter.
16: Oh, nice. Yeah. Thank you.
3: And what does Any Lori sixteen come from?
16: Oh. Uh- it's my old AOL, AOL chat name was uh, Annie Laurie, and it was the reverse of Laurie Ann. Uh, I don't know. It was just my name. Okay. And then I just kept it, and uh, added sixteen for personal reasons. But I mean, it doesn't mean anything. And I'm I had I realized Twitter was going to be like a career tool. I <laughs> probably would have
3: used my name. <laughs> um, let's talk about another great name. Your special sis woke grief slut. Yes. Amazing.
16: Yes. Thank you for pronouncing every word correctly. <laughs> Our, the MC Becky Lynn, who's hilarious, said, Cis woke guilt slut? I'm like, no, but that's fine. You got three out of
3: four. And uh, this is, uh, where did you uh, film it?
16: Uh, at the El Portal Theater in North Hollywood. Uh, mm-hmm. Comedy Dynamics filmed about 18 specials in a week. So mm. I was one of the pieces of sausage in the grinder.
3: Wow. And we think Amazon Prime?
16: Yeah. Mm, yeah. They push it out to a lot of different places for distribution. And when? Uh, I'm supposed to look at a cut this week. So okay. I might go back to the hotel and look at it and check it out. All uh, right. Pretty soon.
3: So you're going to go back, rest up. Make sure to get to the punchline tonight, two shows, tomorrow, two shows. Lori Kilmartin, the pride of the East Bay. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> All right. One of my faves. we got another hour to go. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Byline.
11: This is USA
21: News. I'm Cory Myers. The World Health Organization says COVID-19 is no longer a global health emergency. The World Health Organization saying the pandemic has been on a downward trend for over a year, adding that that trend has allowed nations to return to life as they knew it before the pandemic. The Democratic and Republican leaders of the House are demanding Russia immediately release two Americans detained in Moscow.
22: In a rare joint statement, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries condemned the ongoing and illegal detention of Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich and ex-Marine Paul Whelan. They said the Kremlin is holding Gershkovich hostage and continues to unjustly imprison Whelan. I'm Dave Collins.
21: Some more regional banks taking a hit on Wall Street this morning shortly after the markets opened.
23: Despite assurances from the Federal Reserve yesterday that the banking system is on solid footing, regional bank stocks have faltered this morning. PacWest, which has been hit hard since regional banks started wavering in March, fell a record 42% after the market opened. Shares of another regional bank, First Horizon, fell 37% after it disclosed this morning its planned $13.4 billion acquisition by TD Bank was called off. T.D. officials say the deal was scrapped because they were unsure when and if it would get regulatory approval. I'm Lance Pry.
21: The 149th running of the Kentucky Derby is tomorrow at Churchill Downs, with the favorite to win being Forte. Unfortunately, the excitement of the week has been overshadowed by the deaths of four horses in recent days. Two of them, trained by Safi Joseph Jr., who was suspended indefinitely on Thursday, This is USA News.
5: So, you need life insurance, right? Protection for your family? But who has time to meet with an agent? You're busy. But what if there was a better way? A way to protect your family, your loved ones, make sure you can send your kids to college, keep the family home, no matter what happens. Well, you can. With no agent visit, no medical exam, no blood work, none of the stuff that makes life insurance a hassle. Go to ethosliferadio.com. That's ethosliferadio.com. Ethos Life Radio is a 100% online buying platform for life insurance powered by Ethos. We match you after a simple online interview with a life insurance. Policy that matches your needs at the best price. EthosLifeRadio.com shops your policy to over 100 carriers instantly to get you the best price. And best of all, EthosLifeRadio.com is a marketplace. This is not a lead source. Your information will not just be sold with endless emails, calls, and texts. We give you the opportunity to buy life insurance online. Simple, in less than 15 minutes online, with no medical exam if you qualify. Do the right thing for your family today. Go to EthosLifeRadio.com. EthosLifeRadio.com.
21: It's now day four of the Hollywood writers' strike that turned TV and film sets across the nation dark. Thousands of Writers Guild of America members have been picketing outside major studios in the L.A. area since Tuesday. The head of one of those studios says his company is ready for an extended work stoppage. Celebrities are also joining the writers. Drew Barrymore has pulled out of hosting the MTV Movie and TV Awards in support of the strike. AI isn't just invading schools, but your restaurants, too. The Midtown Tavern in Moorhead, Minnesota, has some new help on the wait staff. Robot server Bella provides service with a happy cat smile that's been programmed on her screen. The robot is able to navigate the restaurant floor using a programmable map. Midtown Tavern's owner says he's been dealing with staff shortages for the past couple years, so Bella's been a welcome addition. How much do you tip a robot server? The NBA playoffs continuing with second-round action tonight. In the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia 76ers hosting the Celtics for Game 3 of their series. The Celtics and the Sixers tied at one game apiece. In the West, the Suns welcoming the Denver Nuggets to Phoenix for Game 3. Denver leading that series two games to none. Paramount confirming that the Kevin Costner-led Yellowstone will end after five seasons this fall. I'm Corey Myers, USA News.
1: So, if you've lost a loved one due to COVID 19, call the legal helpline right now to find out if you qualify for a cash award. Here's our number 800 918 4086. 800 918 4086. That's 800 918 4086. Paid for by the IPG Law Group.
2: Rick
15: Tittle knows his sports.
2: I hate that guy! I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: Hour three underway. We're going to have Carmine Marino... Sonny Hostin, Nick Stahl, and Mark Dacascos. In other words, if everybody shows up, no call for you. But (laughs) uh, congratulations to Napoli after 12,058 days, and yes, they counted. 33 years. They are champions of Italy again. Serie A, or the A-Series. That's the top league of calcio. In Italy, here's the thing. Every culture has their mob sport, their mob game. And in Italy, they have this thing called Florentine Calcio, which they used to have in Florence. And it's basically, I get all the tough guys in my town, you get all the tough guys in your town. And then we get into this big uh, piazza or square, and we'll have two goals. And we try to get the ball in the goal, and you can pick it up, run with it, kick it. But we also get to punch you in the face, and we get to uh, get you in a headlock. So when soccer was introduced to Italy, they went, oh, see, si, si calcio. And they're like, no, 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 football, football. And they go, si, calcio. That's why they call it that in Italy. But I've been to Naples. I was there in 1983 during a trash strike. Um, and it's a crazy place. And I stayed there because I was on my way to Sorrento and Capri and Pompeii. Herculaneum as well. And... Um, Naples, like the Neapolitans, they're proud. There are three different colors of ice cream. It's where pizza was invented or at Tommaso's here on Broadway. That's another thing. Uh, it's also, <laughs> they claim to have invented pizza. Um, it's, a, they had the, uh, what was it called? The Camorra, like the mob in, uh, Naples. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, they say organized crime. It gets a bad rap. I went to a really cool museum in Naples, but, I just remember the trash bags being piled taller than me, and I'm 6'2". Uh, it's a crazy town, and I don't even want to know what the parties were like last night when they clinched Serie A. Uh, they have not won it since they had a guy named Diego Armando Maradona. And uh, congratulations to and Dombole, the French international, on loan from Tottenham. He won as well. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
0: Next up. Straight Talk from Doug. Ever noticed that
22: saying no offense is offensive? Like, no offense, but you're overpaying for your
18: wireless. See? Offensive. That's the Straight Talk talking. Get unlimited plans as low as $35 a month from Straight Talk, on America's most reliable 5G network. Available at Walmart and Walmart.com. On the $35 plan, first 10 gigabytes of data at high speed, then 2G speeds. Refer to the latest terms at StraightTalk.com. Based on most first place rankings, root metrics, second half, 2022 assessments of 125 metros. Experiences vary, not an endorsement.
20: Call now.
1: 800-949-0039. 800-949-0039. That's 800-949-0039. Paid for by the Tax Helpline.
20: Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? Quick Cash Offer can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately.
1: that's 800-788-1495.
8: This is J.D. Sharp. I've been developing a revolutionary sports handicapping service, and you can be a part of the beta. Sign up at BetUS.com with a deposit of as little as $50 and use the promo code SHARP betting email a screenshot of your account to worldwide sharp at gmail.com and i'll reply personally with my plays my nfl record this season was an industry best 72 and 33 and this is the only way to know all my plays the moment i make them let's keep making money together
4: titillating sports with rick tittle rick tittle is a genius the best show ever he's so wonderful genius the best show ever he's so wonderful titillating sports with rick tittle rick tittle is he's so handsome he's a genius
11: coming up next rick tittle
3: Thank you for that. It's 11 12. It's time to check in with one of our friends over at Pro Wagering and ProWagering.com. They break down and analyze all the sports so that you can make a good flutter, punt, bet. And it is time to check in with Carmine Marino. We talked to him yesterday about the Derby. We'll talk a little bit more about some other races as well. But first of all, uh, Carmine, your thoughts about Safi Joseph being uh, suspended? and uh, Lord Miles uh, being scratched. Your thoughts?
24: Well, there's three horses that have been scratched. Practical move to 10. Lord Miles is out, and Connitor is out. So the three horses that were also eligible are now in. As far as sappy jokes is, uh, is concerned, um, they're doing the same thing they did to, to Backford. They're going to do a lot of research. They're going to make sure that these horses didn't die from drugs, et cetera. Um, They died after the races were over. It it wasn't like they broke down during a race, so it could be a heart attack or whatever. Um, Sappy Joseph was asked yesterday, or or two days ago, um, to withdraw his horses, or they were going to withdraw them for him, so he formally did it on his own. Um, It is what it is. The best part about Lord Miles is he had no chance, so that's the whole of the story (laughs)
3: Gotcha. All right, so we know we had the modesty. I think the eight bells is going on right now. Let's take a look at the Kentucky Oaks and uh, Botanical in the number six. Uh, A lot of people like Wet Paint number seven as well. What are you thinking?
24: I think Botanical is a better choice. Wet Paint is stone closer. Right now, this front-end speed has been really holding on well. Um, Wet Paint might find themselves in a difficult situation. Botanical is really a hot horse. Uh, the horse that's been training like lights out is the 4 South Lawn. This horse comes into the race after two straight wins. And the horse I'm looking at that could be dangerous. This is the weakest Kentucky Oaks that I can remember. Um, but this is not a deep field of phenomenal fillies. And so I'm looking at the one horse, Mimi Kakushi. This horse has won three straight. This horse could actually surprise a lot of people. And at 20 to 1 morning line, you, yesterday you were asking for long shots. This could be the long shot we're looking for.
3: Let me ask you about another long shot. Number eight, promise her America. This is an American pharaoh Philly upset win in the gazelle stakes. A lot of pundits say that that win was a fluke. What do you think?
24: Well, if it's, it, could be a, it could be a fluke all day long. That's, that's a nice thing to say. But the truth be told is you know, horses in, historically that came out of the gazelle going into this race would probably be five to one. Our six to one morning line. Now you know it happens, but this is a very weak race. This is not a deep race, so the possibility of this happening again is very likely. You know this horse could win again. I mean, there's no what would make anybody think this horse didn't have a chance? I mean, you look at the uh, ten horse Flying Connection. This horse is pure speed, running like lights out, coming out of um Sunland Park. You know what makes you think this horse couldn't be there? I mean, this is an interesting race. You have 14 horses in this race that are all solid and, and, and could win. Um, I mean, this is nothing would surprise me in this race. This is that week of a race overall. Gambling girl, the three, rat Ortiz, solid horse, big closing in his last races. I mean, this is it, it's really interesting to look at. I mean, I, I think it's funny that people would make a comment and say, you know, this was a fluke. Well, right now you're looking at a race that's really weak. So, you know, how do you make that statement, right?
3: Let's talk about early tomorrow, um, the Knicks go stakes. And I saw, I was just reading the number 7-3 technique. They said that it finishes strong, it'll pass up some rivals late, and it's a good way to spice up any exacta or trifecta. What do you think about that?
24: Well, so let me pull that up real quick here in the Knicks go. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an interesting race in that um, this is one of the few races that is not a um, graded stake race. The horse in this race that I'm looking at is uh Mask Parade, which is the two of Joel Rosario, and I like the twelve Cadu River. I think these are two. And this is this is a, this is one of those races again, wide open. That this is my preference. I think the two looks is, look really good. The twelve is solid. And is got with Tyler Gaffney as is hot as a firecracker right now. He just can't miss. So it's like. Again, how do, what do you say about it? I mean, this is a, this is one of those races on the card. It's, it's not a it, this is not a graded stake race. This is more of a we're a fill-in race, so to speak. And so, I would look at this race and say any horse has got a shot. I mean, you look at I I, I prefer the two off of his last three starts, really close. There's a horse named Baby Yoda who gets a lot of money but doesn't go anywhere and um, hasn't really been successful. And you know, you don't know which horse is going to show up for the day. Then, when you look at, um, like you got, you have another horse in this race by name Promise Keeper. Well, Promise Keeper last year he was hit or miss. Won some races, he was really good. But if you look at the common denomination of the two being a horse that beat this horse on several occasions, that would make me like the horse. Three Techniques was beat by Cattle River. The the horse that a lot of people will probably bet is Zozo, which is the six horse. Uh, brad cox i mean brad cox his horses are on fire so far this year this horse won his last start with the highest buyer in the race so this is an interesting race
3: let's talk about the twin spires turf sprint stakes uh just as a cal fan i saw go bears go at 12 to 1 this is supposed to be a more you talk about the other race this is supposed to be a deep quality field for this sprint uh your thoughts
24: it's, it's a good race, so I'm going to tell you right now. The horse I'm going with is the 10, Arrest Me, Red. This is, the, this is a Wesley Ward horse. First start out, got beat by Caravelle, the, who won the Breeders' Cup a year ago. And the other horse you could tie into him was 15-1, to 1 was Bad B. Brian, who ran a hell of a race in, in his second starter, 40-1. to 1. He could be something to look at. And the horse, of this, the horse that might sit on the rail and make a great move is Clement's horse, the four, Big Invasion. This is a nice animal. Um, his courses at nine career starts, never been off the board. Um, has won seven out of his last eight races. I mean, this this is a very very strong horse as well. This colt could be right there. And I'm again, like I said, I like a wrestler. I like Wesley Ward. I'm I'm a big Wesley Ward guy. So I think that would be what I'm going to be looking at as far as the rest of the field is concerned. These are there's a lot of accomplishments. These, this field has a lot of horses that have earned over five hundred thousand dollars in it in their career.
3: And then finally, right before the Derby, we have the American Turf Stakes and the number 4 horse, Talk of the Nation, uh, from the uh, Hall of Famer, Shug McGahee, 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 McGay. Uh, McGahee, McGay? uh, M- yeah. So um, what do you think about the Turf Stakes here?
24: That's the, bet of, that's, that's the bet of the day. That horse goes off 10 to 1. I'm going to tell you right now, Rick, I'm going 500 and 500 on the horse. Mm-hmm. There's no this horse. In fact, I did a show last night. Um, I, the, the guy I was doing the show with, that was his pick as well as mine. This horse is coming into this race off of two gigantic races at Tampa, but his last race at Tampa, um, he came home in under 23. This horse could be a dynamo. Um, quality road, cult horse is bred for the turf. Uh, I mean, every race he's improved. This this is a monster. If this horse goes off ten to one. I will tell you, and anybody who's listening to this call, um, bet on them. This is a great horse, really good horse. The other horse you got to consider in the exacta would be Pletcher's horse, Far Bridge. And you know, I know people are going to bet Carl Spackler. Um, that's that's Brown's 11 horse. Horse is quality, but I'm going to tell you right now, my pick in this race is the four. My exacta box will be two four, um, and I think this is a great pick. I mean, you hit that one nail on the head on that one.
3: And before we let everybody go, can uh the Kentucky Derby, you're still liking King's Barnes number six.
24: I like Kings Barn with the seventeen. I love I think the seventeen is definitely the
3: horse
24: to beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this I'm telling you right now, if this horse wins the derby for Japan, and by the way, remember yesterday I said if he gets in, look out for Mandarin Hero, he got in. Mm. Um if there are a couple of more scratches, if this race tightens up to about eighteen horses, Mandarin should, could make some noise, but I think Dermis Sodagate could actually win the Triple Crown, or King, if Kings Barnes, the horse like Justify was, he could actually pop it. I think they're the two best horses in the race. They're gonna go, they're gonna go, they're gonna get bet. They're not gonna be you know twelve to one or ten to one, but they're gonna be they're gonna be horses to look out for. Forte will be the favorite. I'm guessing seven to two.
3: There he is, Carmine Marino. Nobody knows horse racing like he does. That's why we have him on, and that's why he also is at ProWagering and ProWagering.com. Carmine, it's it's Christmas and Fourth of July and New Year's Day for you. Have a great time this weekend, man.
24: You too, and Hal. I hope I was right. We picked out wonders, baby.
3: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on the other side with Sonny Hostin.
8: pricing information
1: 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 that's
5: 800-915-9654 it doesn't really matter i uh, i don't like my job and
13: uh, i don't think i'm going to go anymore <laughs>
14: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show three-time Emmy Award-winning legal journalist, TV host from The View, um, New York Times bestselling author. It is Sunny Hostin, and she is here to talk about the second book to her summer trilogy, which just came out from William Morrow Publishing. It's called Summer on Sag Harbor. Sunny, welcome to the show. When you put out Summer on the Bluffs, the first one a couple years ago, and it went way up into one of the best-selling books, was that like a surreal experience for you?
19: Uh, It was very shocking. (laughs) I, um, (laughs) I wrote this, what I thought would be this little book that no one would read, and uh, the first week it sold over 20,000 copies and I thought, oh, oh, oh no, now I have to write another one. <laughs> um, and I was, I was pretty surprised. Um, it's, I'm still pinching myself that there's another book that I wrote. And, um, I think what it shows you though is there was a thirst for this kind of book. You know, we've, we've gone through some hard years, uh, with the pandemic and, And, uh, you know, our our country can be so divided sometimes that I think people wanted an escape, and they wanted to read about, you know, people on a beach partying and and maybe a little sex and and, and maybe a little love and and, and maybe a little friendship. And that's really what the book was about. It was about people making sure that they stayed connected with people that they love. And um, I think it just resonated. And the second book, Summer on Sag, is much of the same except it's set during the pandemic and I explored how did we stay connected during such a tough time and how did we find, you know, how did we help our neighbors instead of hurting our neighbors and, and you know, how did we fall in love during those times and I'm I'm really proud of it because I was a little nervous because you usually can't catch lightning in a bottle twice, but the reviews have been absolutely incredible, (laughs) so... I may have caught it again, and so I'm I'm just I'm I'm pretty humbled by the whole experience,
3: really. Yes, well, I mean, it takes talent to get that type of uh, platitude. The other thing I know that's important to you is that a lot of times when you think about these beach books, it's you know people from Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard or something. It's not someone of like mixed ethnicity from the Bronx, you know. So uh, how
19: about that? (laughs) Well, and that was important to me because I love, you know, even Hildebrand, I I read all her books in Antarctica, I I summer on Martha's Vineyard and there are these enclaves that are around the country that are are federally registered as historic black beach communities, but no one knows they exist. Like, no one really knew that black people have owned beachfront property since the late 1800s in Martha's Vineyard. Um, People didn't know about Sag Harbor that they owned Properties since the 30s. Um, it's, well, and a big surprise to people will be in my third book, Highland Beach, which is where Frederick Douglass had his summer home, um, and and his wife was white. So I, I just I felt like I love history. I love historical fiction, and what better way to kind of teach people um, and not sort of like a professor, but just teach people history in a way that's really digestible and fun and interesting. I mean. Joy Behar has lived in Sag Harbor for many, many, many years. And I would sometimes go visit her and, you know, stay at her house. And once I started staying in this little enclave, I invited her over and she said, oh, my God, how is it possible? I didn't know this existed. Now she does. And I hope a lot of other people will will just happen upon it and, you know, join the community and enjoy it.
3: Yeah, well said. I know you got to run, so time for one more question. Now, it's nice to have sure. the the idyllic setting and uh, the characters, but what about an engaging plot to keep it a page-turner?
19: Well, my editor says that Beach needs need a little sex, so I'm, uh, you know, my repressed Catholic. was It was a little tough to write, but I did it.
4: <laughs>
19: <laughs> um, so there's, I think, something for everyone, you know. My my plots are usually about secrets because every family has a secret. Uh, I don't care which family you come from. There's something that Aunt Joanne is not telling you. And so I, I try to um, explore those family secrets and, like, leave little Easter eggs uh, in, in most of the chapters. And then at the very end, you kind of find out uh, what is the real deal. And I, I love that formula. It's my formula. And um, I think I think people like
3: that. You know, I always knew not to trust Aunt Joanne.
19: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she has secrets. She <clears throat> definitely
3: has them. All right, everybody, pick up the book, Sunny Hawson, As I said, the second book in her summer trilogy, "Summer on Sag Harbor." Of course, that's right out there on Long Island. It's out now, brand new from William Morrow. It's going to be another hit. Sunny, congratulations on the book. Thanks for coming by. Oh,
19: thank you so much. Take care.
3: No doubt. Rick Tittle with you. 1-800-878-PLAY. You know, I shouldn't be surprised anymore in sports when coaches get fired. You know, especially in soccer, it never makes any sense. Coaches never last three seasons. They just don't. You're not going to get those Sir Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger guys anymore. It it just doesn't happen. Think about Antonio Conte, what what he was able to do at Chelsea. Fired Thomas Tuchel wins the Champions League and gets fired. Why Frank Lampard has a job as a manager, I have no idea. He's coached 42 games and he's lost 32 games. Not even tied. Coached 42, lost 42. Ever since he's taken over for Todd Bowley, the idiot owner at Chelsea, the American, he's lost every single game. Yeah. But. The Milwaukee Bucks fired Mike Budenholzer, Budenholzer, who won coach of the year at Atlanta when Steve Kerr won the NBA in his first year. But this comes at the hands of an embarrassing first-round defeat by the Miami Heat, and they were the number 1 not just seed in the East, but the number 1 overall seed in the entire league. And they became the first number 1 seed since the um, series moved to seven games to be eliminated in five or fewer games. The Bucks blew uh, double-digit fourth-quarter leads twice, game four and game five. And, uh, of course, the sixth number one seed to lose in the first round in NBA history. And Budenholzer took over the Bucks in 2018. He immediately turned them into championship contenders. Of course, it didn't hurt that they had Giannis. But They were an eighth seed the year before he arrived under Jason Kidd. They jumped to number one in his first season. And then they were one in his next season. They won the championship in 2021, his third season. And they might have won again if Chris Middleton had remained healthy. But now he's fired. And this is the guy who was widely credited for creating the system that helped turn the Bucks into perennial contenders. The same thing he did in Atlanta. And so when Milwaukee hired him, they said, we want to shoot threes. And he said, we will shoot threes. And we're going to space the floor properly around Giannis. And what did that do for him? The Greek freak, he won two MVPs, right? He also instituted the drop coverage scheme that made the Bucks one of the most consistently strong defensive teams in all of basketball and also in the process nearly turned Brooke Lopez into defensive player of the year. <clears throat> but that scheme was a double-edged sword because they kept talking about, you're not adjusting. Jimmy Butler is carving up the drop coverage, carving us up. And Budenholzer's decision to not call timeouts at the end of regulation or overtime in that last game to the Heat were ridiculed, and it said that prevented the Bucks from putting up uh, potential matchups and drawing up a play. So a lot of people thought Budenholzer was going to be fired if they didn't win in 2021, when they did win the title. And they kept saying, Rick Carlisle's going to come in, he's going to come in. So now with Milwaukee's roster aging and a historic first-round loss in the rearview mirror, Budenholzer is out. And I don't, <laughs> I don't understand why a guy coaches you to the number one overall seed and then he gets fired. It's sort of like when George Seifert was fired after going 12-4 and and have the best regular season winning percentage in NFL history as a head coach. But he didn't win the Super Bowl, so Eddie DiBarlo fired him. It happens. But when you go into that abyss like the Warriors were in for almost 40 years until Don Nelson came in, when you don't have anyone to run the shop, it's scary. So now I look at a perfect fit, and that would be Nick Nurse. But we'll see what Milwaukee and what Nick wants to do. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. When we come back, Nick Stahl and Mark Dacascos.
7: move your things the right way. Call Colonial Van Lines now for a free quote.
1: Call now to learn more about this special $250 long-distance move discount. 800-847-0225, 800-847-0225, 800-847-0225, that's 800-847-0225. Has your heater or air conditioner busted, appliance broken, computer crashed? That's 800-867-6917. You're crazy. You're crazy, man.
4: You're crazy. I like you. But you're crazy.
14: saw Rick Tittle at the laundromat last night, and I was hella checking him out. I just kept staring at him, and he played like I wasn't even there. I be like that then.
3: Jeez Louise, thank you for that. All right, we're waiting on our guests, and when we uh, get them, we'll throw them on. <clears throat> How about this, though? Alabama, what happened with the basketball program and whether that guy was going to play and all that? Well, Alabama now has more... Bad news outside the line for their intercollegiate sports. They fired head baseball coach Brad Bohannon. Remember we heard a couple days ago that the state of Ohio shut down betting after some weird bets on an Ohio, um, I should say, LSU-Alabama game? Then New Jersey stopped taking all bets. Then Pennsylvania stopped taking all bets. So the school announced yesterday Quote, Alabama Director of Athletics Greg Byrne announced that he has initiated the termination process for head baseball coach Brad Bohannon for, among other things, violating the standards, duties, and responsibilities expected of university employees. Bohannon has been relieved of all duties, and Jason Jackson will serve as the interim head coach. There will be no further comment at this time pending an ongoing review. I think they met manager. So Bo and the interim head coach, Jason Jackson, are also being sued by a former player who alleges mistreatment of an injury. So here's the thing. The Ohio Casino Control Commission suspended it after U.S. Integrity, which is that Las Vegas company, Independent, detected some suspicious bets on Friday. And there was an enormous bet on LSU to win. Now, they are the number one team. These were placed at Bet MGM and they were placed at the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. So Alabama pitcher Luke Holman was supposed to start that contest, but a relief pitcher named Hagen Banks was told an hour before the game that, no, you are going to start this game. It's very, very weird, and we will keep our eye on it. All right, how's this for a segue? We'll also keep our eye on... Nights of the Zodiac, which will be coming out on May 12th. We spoke with the lovely and talented Madison uh, Eisman about that. She is in it. And we have a couple of very accomplished actors joining us right now in Nick Stahl and Mark Dacascos. Mark, welcome back. I think this is your, your third time. I, I think we're going to have to start paying you a wage.
13: Hey, Okay. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Rick?
3: I'm doing well. What's up, buddy?
13: <laughs> Thank you for having us.
3: No doubt. So let's, let's start off with you, Mark, as the veteran of this show, Uh, take us through a little bit of uh, something that's been so famous for so long. And that is the St. Seiya saga.
13: Yes. Well, uh, I have to be quite honest. I hadn't heard about it uh, until uh, I was contacted to possibly be a part of the show. I had to do my research and sent, uh, I was sent by the producers, some of the, uh, you know uh origin story and um uh the footage that was 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 made in in japan so i had a lot of catching up to do but uh read the script they informed me of the other cast members Talked to talk to me about um uh, Tomek, our, our our wonderful director and just the whole team and i was i was uh, happily honored uh joyfully joining the team um it was a blast and um yeah man you get to see nick nick aka casios go at it with famco jensen so uh, that's that's worth a, a big watch
3: yeah no doubt and as i mentioned we also have nick stall and Nick, I admire guys and gals who were child stars who can keep it going, and, uh, it, and, and I, I don't mean this to be trite, but a lot of child stars, you know, they go off the rails because they don't have a normal childhood. Who kind of held it down for you? Was it your parents?
25: Um, yeah, my mother, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with, with just my mom, so she was a yeah, single parent um, raising us three kids, and, and so she was our, our anchor for sure, and was not a stage mom. You know, I, I was very much uh, like self motivated to get into acting when I was a kid, and and uh, she was very supportive, but in no way was uh, you know pushing me into it or or anything like that. But uh, was was definitely a source of strength um, for me growing up.
3: And Mark, for you, when you were cast, did you say, I assume I'll be holding a sword at some point? <laughs> <laughs>
13: well, I, I had a good idea that I'd be doing some sort of action, so probably yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing too
3: is, um, Nick, I wanted to ask you, because you know, you're know you one of those baby face guys in Thin Red Line, Terrence Malick is such a, a mystery to, to a lot of us, the way he shoots things, a lot of nature, a lot of cuts with audio under from something else. What what was it like being with that fantastic uh, group of guys? Because that's I mean, that's like what, 25 years ago now?
25: Yeah. I was the the baby on set. I was 17 and I was with my mom, you know, speaking of my mother and 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 I didn't really want to be at that at that point. You know, I was pushing away from mom and trying to hang out with these older actors who were my heroes, basically, Sean Penn and 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 you know Woody Harrelson and these guys that I had just grown up watching and uh you know i i I was ditching mom and like wanting to go to hang out and drink australian beer with these with these older guys you know and fit in and stuff um but incredible uh experience for me uh very like very formative and uh and Terrence malik was was amazing to work with as well um he is kind of an enigmatic uh character um Ooh, kind of a, a lot of the stuff you described his shots of nature and his, his kind of off the cuff style of filmmaking he just kind of creates in the moment um, he'll grab a camera and just start filming things I mean really really interesting artist you know for sure
3: and uh, right. Mark for you I mean when you were a kid I mean you were a really little kid when you started winning a lot of those martial arts championships at that time were you just having fun or were you kind of thinking Hollywood here I come
13: Oh no, Rick. Uh, one, most of the time I was not having fun and I, I never thought about um, Hollywood or being an actor. My, my parents are both Kung Fu teachers. So uh, my brother and I uh, were told that we were going to uh, enter tournaments at, at six years old. So we were dumped in there. And instead of riding, riding bikes or playing tag football, which I would have preferred, <laughs> I was, I was fighting guys that I had no beef with, <laughs> so I,
4: I, you know,
13: and uh, mom and dad uh, had us doing that for, I, I did that for 12 years straight competitive fighting. And uh, there, you know, I, I, I ended up really enjoying the training part, but, I I wasn't motivated for the competition. That was just mom and dad making me do that. And I I did, in the end, uh, learn a lot from it. And there were a couple of years that I really loved it. But in terms of um, acting, it was um, kind of one of these happenstance things where uh, uh, an assistant director saw me on the street and asked me to audition. I initially said no, told my mom about it. She said, why not? Life is a big adventure. Go audition. And I auditioned and and then I ended up getting it. And that's how I started my career
3: very cool one more question for you too Nick and that is as as a John Connor can you just make a career going to comic cons for the rest of your life
25: <laughs> you know maybe uh maybe so i've done a few of them for sure and i know mark has has, has done some of those as well um yeah i mean it it's it's uh it's definitely uh a, a huge fan base um yeah for for for, for that <laughs> um but you know you never know. I mean, we uh, we we might be heading to uh, a few of them for this movie, you know, but uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out, I guess.
3: No doubt. So real quick, uh, Mark and then Nick, tell us your characters in Knights of the Zodiac. Who do you play?
13: I play a character named Mylock. He is very close to Almond Kiddo, played by Sean Bean. Uh, sort of surrogate uh, um you know second in, second in command and and uh, uh sort of a legal guardian of of Madison Eisman's character and Nick
25: Yeah, I played the role of Cassius and he is uh kind of the bully of the film like, like uh the you know adversary to the main character Seiya and um you know he's kind of uh well, so he he actually works for Garad, uh, a character played by Famke Jansen, and uh, it's kind of his quest in the, in the movie to um, seek revenge on Seiya.
3: Well, you just heard it there. Nick Stahl and Mark Dacascos are with us, and Famke Jansen and Sean Bean and Madison Eisman, McKinney. This is going to be a huge hit. It's called Knights of the Zodiac, and it'll be exclusively in theaters uh, next week, uh, May 12th. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for coming on, and congratulations on the film. Thank you, Rick. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, good stuff. And uh, I think that's Mark's fourth time on the show for so many different things, which is uh, pretty cool. Anyway, back to the Alabama situation. They were going to pitch um, their sort of Friday night starter, Luke Holman, and they went to the bullpen, and a reliever named Hagan Banks was told, you are going to start and said, What does that mean? Well, uh, the NCAA put out a statement saying, The NCAA prohibits participation in sports wagering activities and from providing information to individuals involved or in or associated with any type of sports wagering activities concerning intercollegiate amateur or professional athletics competition. The NCAA takes sports wagering very seriously and is committed to the protection of student athletes, well-being and the integrity of competition. We are aware of this issue and actively gathering additional information. <clears throat> so look, I, the one thing that you can be sure of, if you are a bonehead and you think you have a lock, is to not bet everything. I don't know if you saw that thing on Netflix for the Arizona State with that dude headache, and the guy would bet $10 million, but you had to be, I think it was something like if you got to 90,000, then you had to like tell the IRS or something that you were betting it. So they would bet $89,000, and they'd have, he got his, this guy got his dad and his two friends and they went around with suitcases that cash, and they went to every single sports book in Vegas and bet just below the line when you have to know. Um, that's just stupid. You, you have to, you can't try to get it in one big wad. Can you imagine a, a college baseball game between Alabama and LSU? How much wagering? I hate using the word gaming because to me that's video games, but now they like to say gaming. How many bets were, are put on that usually? And then an abnormally massive bet. Yeah, I'd like to put $5 million on LSU. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that would work out too well. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come on back. Still time to get in if you want at 1-800-878-PLAY.
23: Tell me
4: who's watching Who's watching me?
0: Here's the number.
1: 800 725 1651. 800 725 1651. That's 800 725 1651. Paid for by Legal Alert Line.
17: If you're struggling to keep up with conversations, avoiding restaurants because you can't understand the waiter, if you've got the TV volume way, way up, then you really need these. These tiny but powerful little hearing aids are the Nano CIC rechargeable. Priced at only $297 for a full pair. And no, these are not simply amplifiers. These are ultra-high quality, ultra-reliable hearing aids. Priced thousands less than other hearing aids. They fit right in your ear. Nothing shows on the back of your ear. And at only $297 for a full pair. When you order today, Nano will give you a 45-day money-back guarantee. Order right now, and Nano will give you a free portable charging case, and even ship them to you for free. Here's the number. Call now. 800-278-1738.
1: 800-278-1738. 800-278-1738. That's 800-278-1738. It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm going
25: to
4: kick 100% of your ass. So hard to beat. Every time she walks down the street, another girl in the neighborhood. Wish she was mad She looks so good. I wanna hold her, wanna hold her tight. That yeah, teenage kicks right through
14: the night. Rick Tiddles got a black belt in keeping it real.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. The Colorado AD who uh, hired Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. Rick George is backing him despite this mass exodus of players entering the transfer protocol. And In fact, three guys entered, entered into Colorado and have gone back into the transfer protocol. There's now 50 players that have left and another 22 who graduated. So that's 72 players that have left No one who threw a pass is back. No one who scored a touchdown is back. No one who had a sack last year is back. But what else is Rick George supposed to do? All the money he gave him? He said, quote, I have confidence in him and his staff, and they know what they're doing. He's been very honest and forthright. He's been very open about it publicly and privately. He's trying to build a winner at Colorado, and this is his way to do it now George also referenced an NCAA rule that does allow first-year coaches to essentially just cut players who don't fit in his plan and he had that policy in mind even before Prime was there George said coach is doing what he thinks is best for this program I support that the rule is in place for a reason it gives us the ability to do those kinds of things Any student-athlete who doesn't want to leave will honor their scholarship. We'll pay for it, and we've done that. Now, Sanders said on the Pat McAfee Show, quote, we already know what we have coming in. Y'all just don't know what we have. There is no way we can put new furniture in this beautiful home if we don't clean out the old furniture, and that is not a shot. All right, sounds like a shot. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Have a good weekend. The Warriors are playing tomorrow in Los Angeles. We'll talk about it Monday, 9 a.m. Pack time right here on Titillating Sports.